Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast, episode 221. This week I interview Gary Pressman from Copro Gallery. We had an excellent conversation. Gary's been around the art scene, the LA art scene, uh, since the beginning, since the lowbrow days. Uh, he's run, worked worked for slash run Copro Gallery um, since, I don't know, uh, I don't the late nineties. I don't, I don't know if I got any dates on that in the interview, but, um, he's now the, the sole proprietor and, um, yeah, really great interview. He's in on the early punk scene. Um, so he's a great interview and, uh, yeah, we had a really great conversation. I just recorded this by the way. And for some reason it stopped recording right in the middle. So I'm re-recording this for a second time, this intro. Uh, yeah, and uh, um, so, yeah, excellent interview. Really fun. I know you're going to like it. Um, I want to interview more galleries on here. I've got uh, Jeremy Schott from Dark Art Emporium coming up next week. And uh, that should be fun, too. Ow! <laughs> I don't know what. I just twisted. Sorry. I just twisted my wrist and it really hurt. Ah, oh, man, getting old sucks, let me tell you. Just things hurt for no reason. Anyway, um, yeah, so what's been going on with me? You know, Halloween was kind of mellow. Had my granddaughters over. Carved pumpkins, that was fun. And, uh, you know, just handed out some candy. Watched some horror movies. You know, kept it really low-key, but that's how it always is for me. Um, did some decorating in the yard. That was fun. I always get to pull out all my bones and props and stuff, and uh, it's a good, fun family activity, giving your granddaughter some real human bones to go place in the yard. She really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, but... You know, Halloween is like no kids come out anymore. It's kind of a bummer. Last for a long time, you know, a long time. They're just people just don't trick or treat anymore like they used to. It's kind of a bummer. But we still keep the spirit alive. And and honestly, for people like us, it's it. You know, Halloween is like I said on Facebook the other day, retweeted or reposted something I said a long time ago. It's basically the time of the year where. Everybody else gets in line with with what we're doing all year. You know, it's always Halloween for us, so. You know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all. I haven't been doing a lot. I've just been, you know, I've been doing a lot. I just haven't been doing anything exciting or interesting, you know, just business stuff, getting my business affairs in order and, um, you know, for finishing orders i've got some commission work i'm working on and studies i gotta finish and blah blah if you want to see all that stuff though you can go to my patreon <clears throat> patreon.com slash chetzar that's where i post everything i'm working on while i'm working on it and um all kinds of goodies on there and everybody uh gets first dibs to buy all my new product and everything so it's worth it if you're really into my artwork. Um, oh, that was the other thing that happened. We had, we we uh, close had the clo chaos closing show, and that was great. It was closing shows are always 
really low key and mellow and not a lot of people show up, but you know, we still do them anyway. And, and, um, it's a little more intimate and you get to talk more, there's less commotion going on. So it was cool. Hung out with, uh, um, uh, Ben Shannon and Kevin Wiseman and, uh, met a guy named Joel who was awesome friend of Ben's, um, uh, Paul Mala was there. Um, I brought Gabe with me, Gabe Leonard. We were hanging out. Um, who am I leaving out? Misha. Uh, Misha George made me some amazing cookies. He pa- he painted the cookies like my paintings. He put the paintings on these cookies. They're amazing, and they're really delicious, too. Uh, well... I hope I didn't leave anybody out because I definitely saw more people and I can't think of their names, but, um, I apologize, apologize if I left you out, but, uh, that was, that was the chaos closing show. It was really nice. It was really, actually really enjoyable, um, just to kind of hang out and that's it. That Halloween catching up on things. Not exciting. Not exciting. Anyway, let's get on to, um, new members because we uh you we you know i talk about it every every um week but you can join the dark art society uh patreon and be be a part of this community and and you know contribute contribute to what we're doing we're putting on art shows we're just and just forming a community doing like holiday trade gift trades there's just so much going on in the, in the dark art society um private facebook group it's really amazing so you can go join at uh, patreon.com slash dark art society and you can join for just a buck i'll read your name on the air here or on on the podcast so let's see the new new people here um okay new subscribers camila winarchic winarchic camila winarchic who was the uh was she the last guest we had on here? I think she was last last the last guest we've had on here. Um I have her name written on a piece of paper phonetically so I know how to pronounce it cuz it's a, it's a tough one. She's awesome. Thank you Camila. Uh we got Treaps Trafid who's been a fixture in the art LA art scene for years. He's been showing around and creating art back when I first started so Thank you, Traps. That's awesome. Really great to see you here. Um, let's see. We got uh, Alan Smith upped his pledge. Thank you, Alan. That's really cool of you. Uh, I believe Alan sold his piece in the Dark Art Society, first official Dark Art Society member show that Dan Kelly put together recently. So congrats on that, Alan, and thanks for raising your pledge. That's great. Okay, we've got Slow Cotion. Thank you for joining. Sacred Bear, thank you for joining. And Ben. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. All right, enough of this nonsense. Um, we got Gary Pressman from Copper Gallery now. Uh, I'll do Gary as a name. I may have done it before as my synesthesia name of the week. For those of you who don't know, I have gastrolexical synesthesia where names and words have flavors and Gary tastes like a pineapple lifesaver also cactus cooler drink that soda cactus cooler 
that's scary. Uh, I think more the the uh, pineapple lifesaver though. So anyway, that's it. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Here it goes. What's up, Gary? Hey, what's going on? How are you today? Good, good. Crazy weekend. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> that turned out to be a pretty cool closing party, actually. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was uh, awesome. Um, one thing great was there were so many local people that got your paintings. They were able to pick up the paintings and yeah. stuff. So that, that almost never happens, it seems like. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. There was, man, there was like, there was a... Uh, my dog's trying to get in here. Uh, ended up being like a cool crowd of people at the end, just hanging out, and it was fun. It was, I like yeah. the, clo- the closings are cool because they're super low key and no pressure really. It's like all sort of mellow and just kind of chill vibe. But and that woman yelling in the middle of the street at the top of her lungs was all good entertainment. She said she was going to call the FBI because because you had her uh, her child and her baby trapped in here in, in at Capro. <laughs> I think she did because some FBI agents stopped by later after the opening. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you get a lot of a lot of that down there. Yeah, Santa Monica. It's yeah. um it's a great great area, but um I think the bums like it too, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just it's always been you know, any any big city's kinda crazy like that. Any metropolitan area just seems insane but anyway so so okay i you 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 have been running copro gallery for how long now (laughs) god 20 years man it's crazy 20 years so yeah i didn't realize when i first showed there at liz liz's show the haunted dollhouse show i dropped that sculpture off and you you, because i heard you telling someone else about it at the at the opening that you had just started there at that point yeah yeah that was one of my first shows um, I didn't even know what a group show was. I don't think there were <laughs> many shows in those days, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this group show thing is really cool, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think we had done a lot of solo, uh, Copro had done a lot of solo shows. And uh, they did a group show, though. They did some group shows. I just, you know, just was um, maybe as a employee there starting out, it just was, like, fascinating that, you know, you get to deal with all these artists at one time. You right. Know, time, you know? Yeah, so, okay, f- f- First, give a little bit of history about Capro, because I mean, it's like, you know, it's one of the first lowbrow galleries. That's kind of how it started, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Capro has a lot of history. Um, Greg Escalante and Doug Nason um, started it. I mean, really, the whole thing kicked off with them, with Doug Nason wanting to, and, and Greg wanting to meet Big Daddy Roth and get big daddy roth to, to do some prints with i think they started off doing prints I, wow. I think the very first thing they did was did a couple robert williams prints what year and, are we talking uh, here uh like nine like 89 are you <laughs> serious that's crazy man <laughs> yeah Shit. so you know that was way before the wave of everybody doing prints so it was like really something special to do a robert williams print in those days um and Doug and Greg always had the aesthetic to do it super fine art, you know. Mm. They had the money and, and the the, um, the um, ambition to try to pull off a real fine art print. So it was like um, 
by a special printer on right. special paper. It was just a really uh, fine art print. Right. Um, so they started with that, and um, then they decided, you know, Doug said, I got to find this Big Daddy Roth guy and do some Big Daddy Roth prints. So there was no way to really contact him. So they actually drove to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, to look for him. Where is, you know, just kind of asking around, where does Big Are you Daddy Roth They, they drove out to find him? Yeah, he drove what a trip. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's way before email, that's yeah. for sure. And then, yeah, right. You know, and it was hard to get people's phone numbers. It's like you got to look in the yellow pages or right. <laughs> your Big Daddy Roth. I mean, <laughs> you know, and he was just living in the desert. He wasn't really, he didn't have a shop at that time or anything, I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, this is way before my time, but um, I've heard the stories and it's all in the Copperwell book. So if you're interested, um, oh, if anybody right. out there is interested, check out the Copperwell Nation book. Um, which was written by Doug um, about the very earliest days onward with you know with big with Robert Williams and Big Daddy Roth right. and stuff like that. Um, pretty that's, interesting. That's um, not, what what um, what were their backgrounds before we get into your involvement? I just kind of want to get the background. Like what what did they? Greg was in like a he was like a stockbroker or something. Yeah, d- d- um, Greg was a stockbroker. Um, living in Orange County, hmm. and Doug was uh, worked for Wells Fargo Bank. You know, Doug was like um, actually in the mortgage division, um, a big uh, vice president type of a job. Um, I'm not sure if he w- was at that time. He, he's you know still with Wells Fargo to this day. So right, um, but he's been with the bank for a long time. And Greg, you know, Greg, they both had pretty normal jobs. Right, sure. but they love but this it, weird kind of artwork. Exactly. They both had a, a, definitely this drive to get into this kind of art. And, but how, how did you even find this kind of, and this, we're talking like lowbrow Robert Williams, Big Daddy Roth. It's like, how did you even, how did you find that stuff even back then? It's like, how would they even know about it? Especially being those straight jobs they had. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they um, actually met Robert Williams. Um, I think Greg probably tried to buy a painting. I think they both had money, so they were both art collectors. Uh-huh. So um, they both were, were buying, you know, in those days, one, one of the few artists that really had the, the, the best paintings around that everybody wanted was Robert Williams. Right. And they were probably and had, cheap, too, at that point, considering yeah, relatively. Like, like a big giant, a big painting was like, you know, maybe like six thousand dollars or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, a big painting. Small paintings are like three thousand. You know, or yeah. I remember hearing about Mark a Mark Ryden painting. Someone uh, had a had a small like a eight by ten or something or something eleven by fourteen. They got for like three grand or something. It's like, sheesh. Yeah, Mark um, the Blood Show. Even Mark Ryden's Blood Show. The paintings were like five thousand dollars. Really. Yeah, even then when he was you know, showing in the Beverly Hills Gallery and had this like insane demand on his paintings, he just kind of was like still wanting to make his art accessible at that point, right. you know, and not go too far with yeah. the pricing. Um, I he think was... right after that show is when he started to go up to like these incredible <laughs> prices of 20000 or 50000 right. uh, <laughs> as we know now. A painting's like as much as two million dollars, you know. So. Two million, really? Yeah, or three million. I mean, for you know, giant paintings now. So damn. So he hit the big really time. Turn the corner, yeah. I thought, man, I I got I ordered the one of those little. I have somewhere I don't even know where it is. I have one of those little blood books, 
the little books you got. Remember, it was like yeah. a little book from the show. Like I ordered that back then because he was, you know, to me he was like a big, big shot even back then. Whoa, where'd your where'd your video go? You still there? Um, I'm here. Um, oh, I'm you don't have to. You, you don't, okay, <laughs> you don't. You don't have to do video anyway. But um, uh, sometimes it's better for the connection anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I just want to make sure I didn't. You didn't cut off there or something. Um, I'm back. I'm okay. back. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway. Uh, so okay. You're. Uh, uh, I still. How I wonder how they found out about this whole that whole scene. Like, were they into cars yeah, he, or something, like hot rods? Because it seems like hot rodding was one area that people discovered Big Daddy Roth and Robert Williams and stuff. I just wonder. Yeah, definitely. I think um, they just kind of like, there were so few things to do in those days, so few openings and mm. events. I think they were just tuned into it at a really early time. And, um, I mean, even La Luz was having openings, um, you know, the late 80s uh, early 90s oh, okay so uh, and the zero one was, oh, zero one was, was around back then too yeah i mean the zero one had a robert williams opening in like 1983 wow <laughs> believe it or not wow so, so yeah so i think just from going to those places they started you know realizing it and they were one of the few people around at that time that had the big bucks like three thousand dollars to buy a painting <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know, people weren't spending that uh, I mean, um, Raymond Pettibone had a show at the Zero One, and all the pieces were like thirty-five dollars, forty-five dollars. <laughs> he sold just, out. <laughs> well, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I imagine. I just, I just read an article uh, about a guy. I should have sent it to you. Um, some young artist that couldn't make it on his own, like all the all the big like blue chip, trying to be a blue chip guy, and he was R- Raymond Pettibone was his mentor. Apparently, I forget the guy's hmm. name. Um, but anyway, he, he, apparently he, they couldn't sell his work. Like all the galleries were behind it, but people weren't buying it. So he did some deal to where he was, since he had access to his studio, he was taking Raymond Pettibone unfinished drawings and finishing them. And then they had some guy selling them as finished Raymond Pettibone pieces. And now like the FBI is after this dude. And he's like, he, he's on, he's out in another country, in another country hiding from the law. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. So, yeah, I, I imagine it would be easy to forge, you know, yeah. early simpler drawings. <laughs> right, right. Especially if you have the framework. So. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. He studied in him, so he kind of knows his whole thing. But anyway, so were you collecting at this point? Because, I mean, you started you started as a collector before you were running the gallery, right? Because you have a yeah. – people don't realize, but maybe – or maybe people who – I think a lot of people don't realize what an insane collection you have. You have, like, an amazing – art collection yeah I, I, li- I like the collection i have i think everybody's got a different type of collection right really, yeah yours you know, is very you yours is no. very you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> totally <laughs> always like stuff that just that i like and yeah yeah i find um you know uh <laughs> as crazy as possible yeah, i like that, you know, it suits surreal. your personality perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah you definitely. some crazy stuff so when did you start collecting and how did you get into that um, the first thing, the, the thing that really, um, really got me excited about this art was the Helter Skelter show in 1991. Um, yeah, that's that like was, a famous show, right? Oh man. It was at Mocha and it had like 18 Robert Williams paintings, you know, these giant paintings. Um, um, it had like, 
bunch of Raymond Pettibones mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of Manuel Ocampo, who mm-hmm. I you know really started uh, loving after seeing that show. Mm-hmm. Um, just a crazy, crazy show. And I mean, it, it made like a three-page article on the cover of L.A. Times calendar section. Wow. It's a huge article about it. People were lined up around the block. It was one of the biggest uh, mocha shows of all time as far as just like tons of people showing up and couldn't even you couldn't even get into that giant museum you know so it was just a crazy event um robert williams had his appetite for destruction painting the cover of the guns and roses Mm -hmm. album and these feminists were protesting it so there was like protesting going on (laughs) you know i guess you know a painting like that would would cause a big stir in the 90s right yeah 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 (laughs) come a long way from that but before you okay i i I jumped again a little bit first were you are you southern california born like i didn't even know this i was born in chicago but um, okay moved moved to la moved to california um in like 1962 or so when i was like four years old Um, okay my dad had grown up in chicago where it was cold and snowing and he's like wanted to come to California, you know, where it was sunshine, uh, orange trees, right. <laughs> <laughs> get a convertible. He always, you know, he got a he got a Corvette. You know, he just like just had this dream of like how great it would be in California. Right. Um, and it was in those days. It was oh, great. I imagine sixty you know? being in California in sixty two must have been pretty amazing. Oh yeah, I mean, it did smell like orange trees where where we moved to. You could smell orange trees in the air, and it was really underdeveloped. Do you, you remember um, like your early childhood when you moved and stuff to? Um, I don't remember moving as much as there's just uh, certain things that stand out. You know, um, one of the biggest things was um, used to my dad used to take me for drives in his uh, you know in the Corvette like on the weekends, mm-hmm. and what, we used to sometimes ride horses, and we used to go to the Spawn Ranch before Manson was even there. Oh, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> it was you know it was owned by Spawn. Right. And we would, you know, take horseback rides. We'd go out to see. T- we'd drive around and see movie sets. You know, sometimes in in the area. You know, he knew where some places. Were, you know, where, where movies were. Right. So I, I remember that really well. And then one time we went. I don't even remember this, but my dad swears that he took me there one day, and then all of a sudden Manson was there. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden there was a different vibe there. We're going there to ride horses, and all of a sudden these creepy looking, um, you know, hippies are hanging out. <laughs> and he said he saw Charlie even hanging out there. Whoa. And, you know, Whoa. so um, that's the story, but I never even, um, rem- I, that I, don't, I don't remember. I right. Mean, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. What a trip. Yeah. So that's some of my earliest, things like that stand out in your mind, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially, you know, with the, the, the whole, you know, art scene you eventually got into. I wonder how that how much that influenced you're your yeah. collecting because you've got well, some. Well, I was like, um, really, when I started really getting into art, um, I was like in about uh, eighth grade. I was like in like 1971, 72, uh, Zap Comics and Underground Comics, you know. And I was like a huge collector of, I would go to the local head shops and try to get the new Zap Comics when they came mm-hmm. out, um, which had Robert Williams uh, drawings and, you know, our crumb. Right. Um, and, you know, I just like thought it was the greatest thing I ever saw. It just totally, uh, you know, excited me at the time mm-hmm. and made me want to pursue it. Um, and I and then I 
I ordered, if you ordered like a hundred underground comics, you could get them for like 25 cents each. I ordered like a hundred comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was really into it. I had them hung up in my room. Wow. Uh, like you on still have those? Lines. Uh, do you still I do have? have some of them, but I didn't take great care of them. Right. So um, I've been going on eBay lately and just like getting all the um, getting them new, you know, getting all the old right. comics that I loved, like trying to find first editions, too. So, you know, it's yeah. even cooler to find a first edition Zap Zero, you know, now than it was even then. That's you know, got to cost a fortune, though. I bet they're so, yeah, so expensive. Not, not as much as you'd think. Oh, um, really? But yeah, some of them. I mean, some underground comics go for as much as ten thousand dollars if they're like in perfect condition wow. and an alternate cover, or you know, right. some people collect that. I don't do that. That just seems like uh, another habit. I don't want to get into <laughs> <laughs> spending money. Yeah, a money spending habit. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I just really got into that art, mm-hmm. and also um, Salvador Dali. I was really into Salvador Dali in those days. Mm. I, I saw. I, w- I used to go to the old bookstores in Hollywood Boulevard, collector bookstores, mm-hmm. and then I saw the Salvador Dali book, and I bought it, and I read it, um, Diary of a Madman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just so crazy. I go, I was just like, totally like disturbed me, and on the other <laughs> hand, just made me think this is like so incredible, you know. Right. I mean, he was such a rebel in his time, and yep. you know, people. He showed like the, the movie Unchain Andalou. And people rioted and shot guns at the screen really? <laughs> and destroyed his paintings in the lobby. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I was reading stories like th- about this um, stuff that he did. And I was thinking, oh, this is like, wow, this is what art is. You know? Right. Yeah. It's way <laughs> that was my really early impression thought. of art. Yeah. Like this crazy, you know, madman uh, doing crazy stuff and painting these incredible paintings and right. zap comics. Um, art Crumb went to jail for, you know, um, distributing pornography across the really? lines, you know, zap comics. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He went <laughs> yeah, to jail. Yeah, he Whoa. went to jail. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, rebels in, in, you know, in art, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. That attracted me. That's what, it, a lot of that attracted me. Right. When I, was, when I was younger, you know. Right. Were you making the connection at that time that Salvador Dali and um, zap comics were both art, you know, because especially oh, back yeah. then there was like this, huge disconnect between fine art and comic art or illustration you know but but you were kind of seeing them in the same way <clears throat> yeah definitely I, I was you know to me i didn't really see a lot of other art although sometimes i'd go to actually my parents used to take me to like um some museums and we see picassos and you know see other art which i thought was still you know i thought was cool i mean i enjoyed art going to art uh going to museums and seeing like uh, van gogh or mm-hmm. something like that i still thought that was really cool but it didn't really do that much for me um like zap comics or salvador dolly right i really where i found out about it was i there was a, a friend of mine in high school who was showing me all this art crumb you know showing me all this stuff he actually introduced it to me hmm. it turns out he's like he's telling me about his cousin who's this big art collector who turned out to be John Swihart, who oh, has wow. the art barbecues. Right, so, yeah. John's awesome. Strangely enough, I had some kind of a uh, you know uh, connection. That's even weird. Then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was weird. Later on, I, I mean, I was going to John's Swihart's barbecues for a while, and all of a sudden he said, "Do you know a guy named Chip?" And I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute." He's like, "So you're the guy he used to always talk about that was giving him these Zap comics and art crumb <laughs> stuff, and you know." So it's, it's kind of crazy that it all came full circle. And yeah. now 
<laughs> yeah. Wow. It's a small world. Uh, okay. So, so this got you, uh, keep, keep going on your, on, on, you know, I want to get your sort of collecting history and how you got, um, did, did that leave you, lead you to, to working at Copro? Yeah. Well, you know, okay. So this is in the seventies. So this is my first introduction to this kind right. of art. And then I think I kind of lost track of it really, um, during the seventies and into the eighties. Um, I kind of just got into punk rock and yeah. rugs, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's really, and I just didn't really give a shit about art. Although I still had my comics and I still had my books, but it really just wasn't my main interest. You know, I just kind of was, it was, to me, it was more fun. Uh, and I went to film school at that time. So I was thinking film, making mm-hmm. films and um, um, punk rock music, going to concerts like all, you know, every three times a week, four times a week. Yeah. Yeah. You were um, at the prime time too. You must've seen all the great shows. Yeah. LA, yeah the first, man. You know, the first show I saw was like X fear and the germs. That was the first show wow. I saw. And that was, you know, in some ways that's kind of like art. I mean, I related yeah. that to art when I saw that. For sure. It's like performance art almost or something. Well, this is, that's what Mike Watt said, you know, when, the, when he first, first went, went his first punk show was the germs. And, uh, that's he's he was saying that's the that's the show that just like totally was like oh my god this these this is like a whole art thing that it's you know we don't have to play covers anymore credence covers we can do our own <laughs> weird thing you know this is art yeah to me it didn't inspire me as like i want to be like this mm-hmm. I, to me it was more inspiring like this is like just like insanity <laughs> this is just like crazy you know he's just the way man you know just like you know and then like just like people are getting in fights and just right. like yeah, it was exactly. dangerous too. Back yeah, then. exactly. It was just insane. And I, <laughs> so to me, it was like I never really became a punk rocker, or dyed my hair pink, um, or right. anything like that. I just kind of like, in, you know, was more of a um, kind of a kind of a cynic, but I just really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which led me to getting involved with the mentors because yeah. <laughs> the mentors. We're like a band from Seattle, and they were everybody hated them. Yeah. Um, so then I was on. Okay, these are the cool guys. These are the guy. The punk rockers hate these guys. So. Right. You know. Yeah, about as hardcore <laughs> so, as it gets. Yeah. So I actually t- asked the mentors, "You want to be in a movie for my film school?" And you know, El Duce says, "Yeah, I'll be in your movie." And so we made a movie, "Get Up and Die," about killing all the punk rockers, <laughs> where, where he comes to Los Angeles and everybody rejects him. And they don't want to put him in the punk rock movie, and they don't want to put him on the punk rock label. So he just goes out and kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was the idea. Of yeah, it. yeah. Um, it's so <laughs> funny. My my uh, friend that I was I was in a punk band with. I remember in high school him talking about get up and die. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's how. Awesome. Yeah, it was like it was. You know, it was famous in that in the punk scene. It was like a famous movie. It was like kind of a big thing. Like every all the punks I I knew knew about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, everybody liked it. Um, even though he was talking, eventually El Duce became a hero amongst punk rockers. Even though at first a lot of people just hated him. Right. Um, I used to love going to parties with El Duce and then seeing how long it took before we got kicked out of the party. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was nuts. <laughs> yeah, Gaza X would have these parties, you know, and all the cool punk rock people were there and then eventually el duce would get kicked out we start talking and <laughs> <laughs> causing trouble yeah. but eventually everyone loved you know loved him eventually you know he became like right. a, uh, a punk rocker so yeah. <laughs> you know, i think that all kind of led up to um 
you know, just an int- like I said, performance art. Or just, right. Just kind of um, got me interested in all that stuff. But um, when I quit drugs and I quit going to, to, you know, punk rock was kind of fading, I think, in 1985. Mm. Um, I was looking for something else, you know. Mm. Oh, okay. So, you know, I was just looking for something else. And then I went to that um, actually between 85 and 92. Maybe I was just recovering and, you know, kind of like working. I got a job. I was working. Um, didn't have a lot of time. But then when I went to that Helter Skelter show, like it just was like destiny. I was like, OK, I got to um, just full on get into this um, art scene. And, you know, just really, really blew my mind. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I was thinking. And it kind of brought back all the stuff I was into in the 70s, you know. Right, before you started getting in, in, involved in drugs and all that stuff. Exactly. It right. kind of brought me back to my original interests. Oh, so it's kind cool. of time, uh, time leap, you know. Right. All of a sudden, back into that older mentality. And um, so I went to that, and then some friend of mine says, you got to go to La Luz and see this Joe Coleman show. And I'm just like, well, who's, what's La Luz? What's Joe Coleman? You know, he's like... Don't, I'm not even going to tell you. Just go to Melrose to this store, this gallery. It's upstairs. Go there and check it out, and um, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. So, you know, I went down to Melrose, went to La Luz, to the Joe Coleman show. I missed the opening. I just went to, you know, this was like a week after it opened. Mm-hmm. And it just was like the greatest art show I ever saw. I was like, just totally blew my mind. And I was like, just thinking, wow, man, this is just the great where have i been like what, how have i been missing this you know yeah that was like him at his peak too right joe coleman sort of like prime in his prime kind of i think joe coleman's you know still in his prime in a lot of ways i mean he's you know he's still uh, doing great stuff oh yeah uh, he, i just but, i don't see that much stuff I, I maybe i'm just not connected with the scene he's involved in but I, it's like seems like back then he was like being talked about a lot and on magazine oh, covers yeah. and sort of like having his moment you know in the in in regular society kind exactly. of the thing that happened with joe coleman is is he decided to stop showing at galleries and just do uh, he was dealing with like iggy pop and jim jarmusch and like these millionaire art collectors that had like bruegels and stuff wow. um he you know he, he he caught some really uh great interest in his art with like famous people so he just decided to do commissions and drop out of the art scene uh, and, and i think everybody forgot about him um in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um there was no Joe Coleman scene for like a long time, right. you know? Right. That's so, what it seemed like. Yeah. So, um, what, um, he finally, eventually now he started, you know, he's done a few museum shows here and there. And, um, you know, now he's tr- showing with, a he started showing with like a real, uh, super blue chip gallery. Cause you know, his paintings are like in the millions now. If he does a big painting, wow. it takes him a year. Right. Got to make at least a million dollars, especially with a gallery. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 Got to sell it for a million dollars or $2 million or, you know, I don't have, I don't know exactly, but, um, his pain, his big paintings definitely are in the millions And people. We went to the, um, Joe Coleman museum exhibit. Um, Greg helped organize it in orange County, um, before he passed away. Mm. And Joe Coleman was there. And, um, there was this guy with like, just kind of like, look kind of almost like a bum maybe, <laughs> with no <laughs> shoes on. He was walking around with no shoes, and some yeah. guy goes, "Oh, that's the guy. That's guy's a billionaire. He's the guy that bought that Joe Coleman for like two million dollars." <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I mean, you got to be a, you've got to be an interesting person if you're gonna pay millions of dollars for a Joe Coleman. You've yeah, true. Be, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna get the normal uh, everyday art person. Right. Right. 
So, so, um, so you went to that show and that was, yeah. And I bought, so I decided I'm going to buy a painting, you know, and I had a credit card. Uh-huh. I never bought a painting before. I never bought art. Um, I bought some Robert Williams prints, which I was real excited about, but didn't really, it wasn't an original, you know, I, right. I, I like, okay, these are some prints, some posters basically or whatever. Um, so when I saw the Joe Coleman original painting, I'm thinking like this thing should could be in like a museum in like 50 years, you right. know. This is like history, you and know. You were right. Yeah, and I was just thinking I've got to buy a piece of history and have this on my wall and become an art collector, you know. So I walk up to the front and of La Luz and like I give the guy my credit card and he goes, uh, "Your hands shaking, man." And I'm looking at my hands are like shaking. Wow, I'm like, so nervous. Like this is two thousand dollars, and you know. <laughs> then I'm like, "Okay, can I take the painting?" And then he's like, "Oh no, you have to leave the painting up." And I'm like, "What? I don't." Care. Then I was like all afraid they're going to steal my painting right. or something. <laughs> you know, so when people do that to me now at galleries, I totally understand. Yeah, you know, right, right. You know, it's like when you, you know, you just, you, you, you don't understand why you can't take the painting right. before the show's over. You know? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Eventually, I came back and got my painting, and I was like all excited. Wow, I got the painting. <laughs> Like I'm having all these thoughts in my head. I'm going to come back and they're going to say they sold it to someone else. Right, right. You know, (laughs) it was just, uh, you know, a a different time for sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is like 92 or something, you know. Right, okay. Yeah, so after that, I started going to every opening I could go to, you know. Um, At that time, I think it was Tamara Bain Gallery, Zero One Gallery, which I had hung out in the 80s was you know at a different location and doing art shows mm-hmm. um i think mary karnowski was doing some shows at that time mm-hmm. um or a little after that um and uh i think there, there was a few other galleries i'm trying trying to think but um th- there wasn't many galleries but yeah. i went to every single opening there was that's for sure and there's pop-ups a lot of pop-ups here and there oh wow you know all, um Greg and Gregor Doug, Greg and Doug were both doing pop-up art shows. They didn't have a gallery. And, oh, okay. But, you know, they would do like curate a show and do a pop-up show. So where would they somewhere. do that at? It's just kind of. Um, like... I know they did it at Mary Karnowski, the kittens and cats show. Oh, so they would and, do it in other galleries, like half shows. Yeah, other... yeah, oh, mostly okay. in other galleries and at tiki bars. I went to a tiki <laughs> bar show and it was an original Mark Ryden, and he was trying to sell it. He's like, I gotta sell this. It's seven thousand dollars you know you want to just trying to make sure you sold the mark ride for seven thousand right you know, nobody was buying it oh my god which one was it do you remember yeah it was like it was like a girl that kind of looked like tracy lords with like in a in a um kind of a tiki backdrop it was about like a something like a 16 by 20 or 18 by 24 type painting right i should have bought it i, I could have bought it there <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like you want to buy this and i'm just like has ah, kind of I don't know if I have the, I, you know, it would have been really tough for me to come up with It's a lot money. of money. It's a lot of yeah. money. But I mean, you know, what's it worth? What would it be worth now? It'd be worth probably three, four hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> Half a million even. That's, yeah. yeah. Good return on investment there. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so, so, that, you, so you must have seen some amazing shows. Yeah, there were some great art shows. And, and, uh, the art scene was just like the punk rock scene. Like everybody went to every single opening. Like mm-hmm. every time you're there, you're going to see Robert Williams, Anthony Ausgang, Piz, right. Coop, um, 
just there was just a band of people and you'd see them at every opening right. without fail. Nobody's going to miss an opening in those days. Right. You know, I mean, barely ever because, you know, and, and uh, you know, the thing that fascinated me is, you know, there's Robert Williams, um, the guy that I idolized in the 70s for doing Zap Comics. And he's like, and they're so accessible, you know. Right. So that's what really uh, was different. And like, you know, if you're if you're in going to music shows, you're not particularly going to be meeting the musicians um, afterwards. Unless it's a punk show, though. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, it was like the punk shows. It was some, like the... But even then, I, I don't know. I didn't always meet all the punk rocker uh, people. Um, sometimes, but right. not you know, definitely a lot of them. But I, I, you know, I never met like Xene or anything. You know, right. yeah, a yeah. lot of the people in those early shows. I never met Leaving. I mean, but I did meet Robert Williams. You know, when I started going to art shows, I did meet Robert Williams, and I met all the artists that were big at that time. So yeah, I thought this was a really cool scene. You could you know meet artists, right? Uh, yeah, the artists. Yeah. yeah yeah so how did it develop from there you just kept going and kept uh uh i'm just trying to get to your through your collecting years to how you got involved in copro yeah well i i think one of the first things uh that really got me involved with like greg escalante is we were kind of friends we talked on the phone all the time and i hung out with him at shows as like collect um, like collector friends like your uh, collector uh, collect art collector friends is that how you met him he was a yeah, collector? yeah, exactly. Okay. Just as a collector. I mean, I think, you know, really they weren't that much in the business in those days. Like I said, they did a few prints here and there with Robert Williams mm-hmm. and they did some pop up shows, but mostly they worked all the time and they didn't have a game, you know, before they had a gallery. And so, and they had some adventures, like I said, with, uh, you know, tracking down Roth and getting Roth to do some mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so, one of the first things that got, got me involved was um, my, you know, brother and my dad owned the Key Club. And they had a room downstairs to do art shows. So I just got this idea. Let's, you know, I called Greg up and I said, let's do an art show at the Key Club in that room downstairs. You know, let's, that was like my, I think my first venture hmm. into art, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, at that time, I had just um, kind of knew, just met Liz McGrath and she had their punk band. And, but then she says, oh, yeah, I'm an artist. I do stuff with Tool. I've done stuff with Tool mm-hmm. and, um, you know, done some animation. I said, why don't you put a, do a piece of art for this art show, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so it's kind of exciting. It's like all of a sudden I'm curating and finding artists and, and, you know, Mark Ryden was there and then his brother put a piece in the show. We, we couldn't get Mark Ryden to put a piece in, but his, you know, KRK Ryden put mm-hmm. a piece in. And, uh, it was just really cool. All of a sudden I was like, just really enjoyed, um, curating right. art shows and being involved. And, you know, that was all thanks to Greg because, um, that was really uh, Greg was always so enthusiastic about it, you know. Yeah. So um, that enthusiasm um, started to wear wear off on me, you right. know. And um, then Juxtapose started the magazine, and at that time I had like an in because since I knew Greg, so I could call them up and say, "Hey, why don't you do an article on this guy?" Or um, and I took photos for him, and I'd say, "What are some good photos I can take for the magazine?" You know. And it was great being a photographer for Juxtapose because. I could, you know, take pictures of artists, meet a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just for instance, I ran into Raymond Pettibone and, I'll, you know, I never had met him. And I said, hey, you want to take a picture um, for Juxtapose? Can I take a picture? And he just looked at me and I said, is that a yes? <laughs> he just stared at me. <laughs> I go, OK. Yeah, it was, well, I was going to say. Mike Watt kind of walked over. What are you doing? And I took, took the picture. I go, just take a picture for Juxtapose. Uh, yeah, he didn't yeah. say no. <laughs> Then he just kept looking at me. Still, That's what I was gonna, I was going to ask you what he was like because he seems like yeah. he, he a very enigmatic guy and also like 
kind of kind of weird, kind of strange guy. So I was just curious. Yeah, how... yeah, definitely. He was definitely a definitely didn't say one word. It was, <laughs> but like I said, to me, that was like the greatest thing of like uh, meeting an artist of like having him just act totally weird and just not just look at me and not say one word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're asking him questions and he's just looking at you. you know? <laughs> Maybe he's answering so, you in his mind. <laughs> yeah, and I think that photo probably got published in the magazine. Um, I was also doing a cable show about art. In those days, everyone had cable shows, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, which was awesome. And everyone had like a little chalkboard. They came up with wacky <laughs> theories on the chalkboard, and, <laughs> you know, just just in- incredibly like st- in stupid shows for the most part. <laughs> kind of like uh, YouTube. Kind of like cool YouTube now. Up in there, <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden I go, I'm going to do an art cable show. Somebody told somebody in my work said, you had, you had to get a cable show. He had a cable show. You had to get a cable show. So I so I started a, an art cable show called Art Talk with Adolf. <laughs> uh, since Adolf Hitler was an artist, you know, I just right. tried to do everything, anything I could do controversial. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, I had my chalkboard where I would lay out my uh, theories on the chalkboard. <laughs> and I did I did some spoken word poetry at that time. I was writing a lot of poetry, so. Um, really, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that. yeah, I was right, but, but it was it was very. Uh, kind of uh, crazy spoken word poetry right, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but i um you know i did some of that on the show so spo- i would do spoken word i was just trying to kind of in a way satirize the art scene mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i think that's everything i was doing to satirize it was like fitting right in with what was going on anyways with lowbrow at the time right you know and i would do little segments on artists um and interview artists and film them at their homes wow and, uh that's yeah, cool. I got, it was really cool. I got um, really involved with art at that point. You know, that was a great gateway to, um, you know, and I had some great, then I got some great co-hosts. Um, I had John from the Zero One as my co-host, which oh, was wow. great because, yeah, whenever I ran out of things to say, I could just give it to him and then he would just talk for 15 minutes <laughs> about <laughs> crazy stuff too. Right. He always had a great story. And Liz McGrath was my co-host for a few shows. Wow. Do you have any of those on video? I do have them on video. It's just like I've kind of like put all that in the past on a in a on a shelf, and they're all on three quarter inch tapes. And I got to see if my three quarter inch. T- you know, I keep thinking I got to put these on YouTube. Got to you put know? them on YouTube, man. You could have a whole. How many episodes did you do? I did at least like eight or ten episodes. I think. No, yeah, you should totally uh, put I, those up, man. Yeah, That's and so, I got some on. You know, published episodes and stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like so. It's like a you know a part of the um, history of the LA art scene, man. It's like yeah, this, you definitely. know, un, undiscovered. It's like important. You should totally do yeah, it. Yeah, I should definitely. Uh, Especially you should do it while back. the while the uh, equipment still exists for like yeah, <laughs> that kind of tape to get matter. it digitized. You know, definitely. I just gotta pull them all out and uh, get them a di- digitize it for mm-hmm. sure um and see if they're still you know the p- problem with uh tapes is sometimes they get yeah. um destroyed i had like my first episode all of a sudden i looked at it i don't think it's the master but all of a sudden it was all warbly and had static in it right so you know it got hit some kind of magnet or something so i got a that, my first episode was actually one of my favorites so the first few episodes were my favorites uh I think the more I tried to plan it and the more I, you know, the more it became like, uh, like trying to figure things out and got, you know, it wasn't as exciting as those first right. ones, like uh, pure, uh, 
you know, uh, art talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Okay. So then how, how are we getting to Capro? How did you start yeah, working yeah, with them? At some point we got to get to the present. <laughs> Going no, it's good. It's great. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's cool. I, did a lot, I didn't know most of the stuff. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a quantum leap, you know, from like, like I said, from the seventies, all of a sudden here I am. And then to the 2000, all of a sudden I'm starting to work at an art gallery, you know, um, mm -hmm. it was Greg and Doug's gallery. I was friends with, and the girl there quit, wanted to quit. And so I said, um, well, I'll take the job. And they go, well, we wanted to hire another girl, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll you know, you, you can, we'll, we'll try you out, you know? So this yeah, is the place in Venice. Um, yeah, it was on, it was not Venice, it was Culver City. It was okay. Sepulveda and Washington. Okay, yeah. That's the, the place, the first, there's only one other place Copra was, right? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. There is only really one other location. Um, that And that was like Doug lived there. And he did? He had like, he lived up, he lived in the back. <laughs> so he had like his washer and dryer there. When I first moved in, there was like a, like his home stereo was in the living, was like in the gallery, you know. <laughs> Washer, you you walk through the gallery, you see the washer and dryer. You know, <laughs> so, you know, so you start very... <laughs> you, you started working there. Um, uh, what just because you knew Greg and they needed help, or what were you doing there at first? Yeah, yeah. The girl that worked there, it was Karen, who eventually. Oh, oh started you weren't working. Day. You weren't working there when she left. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't. Oh, okay, she, okay. I was like unemployed. I, I worked in the travel business and I had lost my job, so I, I had about a year of unemployment, and I was just getting into music and, you know, having a good time, really uh, right. enjoying a year off, mm -hmm. um, going to art openings. And, you know, I was doing okay um, without a job. And then I was going to openings at Copper and Karen was a curator. She curated a few really cool shows along with Greg and Doug. Mm -hmm. uh, but she always had this uh, desire to be like a museum or to do museum type shows, you know, stuff that nobody will ever buy, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, a Polaroid show. She wanted to do a Polaroid show of a skater, you know, just had all these concepts of stuff that, you know, that was totally different than anything anybody was doing mm. in art, but that, you know, she, her parents were wealthy and I guess she, you know, went to art school. And so she had this uh, aesthetic where she wanted to be like a museum. And, um, she was also doing this auction, the burning brush auction mm -hmm. where they're auctioning art by like a lot of great artists of Tim Biscop and shag and, Glenn Barr, all the great artists of the time mm -hmm. were doing were auctioning there, and they were really cool events. You could get great art. Um, it's one of the best ways to get art in those days of the the, the top names because you know they just um, it was an auction, and you know it was just it was really cool. Um, and she was like one of the main people behind it, mm -hmm. um, so it seemed like a perfect fit, I guess, to Capra. But her, she instantly had different ambitions, and she only worked there I think a short time, and she was already trying to start her own gallery and do i know what's her name do i did i ever meet her you know, i didn't even know her because she kind of she kind of disappeared she started a new gallery and she kind of flopped with everything that she tried to do mm -hmm. a six space gallery and um from when i talked to coop um she said that she was always hard pressed for money and would she could never pay him for the art she was selling you know he right. was kind of supporting her and um, that's his story um, yeah. <laughs> allegedly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, she wasn't doing too good with uh, in a business sense. She wasn't right. a good business person. Right. So, um, anyways, I said, "Well, I'll, I'll take the job." You know, and when I went there to train with her, I, I noticed that 
she's talking to all the ga- other collectors about her new gallery and she's <laughs> talking to all the artists and she's recruiting them to do shows with her. Oh, and, no. <laughs> you know, she's totally like uh, doing everything that's not ethical. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, I, I, you know, I told Greg and Doug, I go, well, you know, she's just sitting there. She's not really training me. She's just meeting. She's doing side deals at the gallery, <laughs> <laughs> burning brush drop offs and, you know, going to, uh, you know, planning your next gallery. And, you know, <laughs> Right. And so they're going, well, we need to get her out of there now. So can you take over? You know, so I was just like thrown into the fire as far as running, a, you know, running a gallery. Right. Um, and running a business. That was a bit um, scary, kind of. Yeah. Exciting. It was, it was a little scary. I was like, okay, what do I do? You know, where, how do I run a gallery? You know, but I had, I did have a video store in the 80s mm. for a couple of years. So I had, I did have experience running a business. Okay. Um, from top to bottom. You know, I was the only person, you know, it was like a, sole proprietorship so i did have experience running running a business okay. and all the stuff you have to do and right. taxes and yeah you know all the stuff that's involved so when i started um at copra it wasn't wasn't like completely like uh new to me but right. um i did you know i didn't know what to do with a gallery you know how to work in a gallery um and um or how to sell art really mm-hmm. um, and one thing i'll you know i'll say to this day is um Selling art is kind of different than any other business because you really want to be nice to people and, and create relationships with people. And you're not trying to get like the, you're not trying to get ahead and try to get the next big rung up the ladder, you know, in the right. art business. That's the only way you're going to really succeed in the art business. Um, whenever I hear about somebody uh, starting a new gallery and then somebody says, oh, that guy was an asshole. He sold my painting out from under me. And this and that. I go, well, they're probably not going to last more than a few months. Right. You know? And that's uh, definitely the way way it is. You know, the way that the longevity comes from uh, relationships totally. and being nice to people and totally. you know, and helpful to collectors and yeah, you know, it's making good. that deals. that yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a that's that's kind of what I like about this business too is that it's so it's small. It's like it's not you know like a retail regular retail type business is just like you're getting you know you're trying to sell as much product as possible. And you're selling to people you don't know. And with, you know, in the art world, it's like you, everybody kind of knows each other and, you know, you become friends with people and, and it's like, it's more of a, I don't know, it's kind of more of a family atmosphere in a way. Yeah. It, you know? Definitely. I think uh, the successful galleries look at it that way for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at some point you're, you're going to do a lot of things that don't make any money, you know? Right. And you're going to enjoy doing it sometimes, right. you know? You're not always going to... You know, if you have a successful show, a museum show, or whatever you're doing, if you do something successful and you don't make even a penny on it, you're still going to be like totally gratified by doing it. You yeah, know? I can't think of another business <laughs> like that. You know? Yeah, right, right, right. There's no other business like that. Yeah, I just that. think it's like how conjoined is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was uh, the most amazing show ever. Hardly. Yeah, it was like the, some of the things that came out of conjoined were amazing, like Kazu. Right. Um, some amazing things came out of Conjoin. Right. Um, and it was giving a lot of people a chance, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, artists that, you know, don't show galleries a chance. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, it was a, a, an amazing show, an amazing experience for me. And then also, it really trained me of like, okay, here's 100 pieces from all over the country and all over the world. 
and half of them, some of them might be broken and <laughs> have to be sent back. And, you know, um, yeah. it's like the worst possible scenario yeah, from yeah, a, right. a labor standpoint. <laughs> and everything's coming in at the last second. Right. You know? um, so, yeah, thank you for doing that, Chet, for um, starting Conjoin. I, I know we we started, like, planning what would be a good group show with right. sculptures and you know, and actually, I want to give a, a shout out to o- Bad Otis Link too, because he had a sculpture show at the time. And at the time, he was going to be in the first um, conjoined. He was going to right. be part of it. And then I think it didn't even work out with him. Or right. something happened. And then it just became you and me doing it. Yeah. You came but, up with the name, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And I came mm-hmm. up with the name trying to look up. We were thinking of names. But the funny thing about thinking of names for a group show is you get the perfect idea, and then you Google it, and you see there's. 10 other shows with that name. And some of them have been last month. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> like sometimes there's a show like that going on right now. Right. Uh, but, you know, so, you know, I looked at Conjoined. I couldn't find one other show that had ever been called Conjoined. So I go, okay, this is a winner. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, it was a conceptually, it worked because it was like you're joining, you know, the my idea with it was, if, you know, getting makeup effects people to show in a fine art setting, you know, getting people, you know, even though it turned out to be just this huge sculpture show, but it sort of started for me, it was like, okay, all these, let's get all these amazing artists and effects that have never really shown in a gallery, you know, and yeah. bring them in plus, plus regular, you know, the, the uh, sculpting sculpture artists. And so there was the conjoining of those two worlds was kind of the, the concept that's the way i thought of the concept anyway but yeah it's it's like uh 10 years right 10 10 years yeah and i think it's even more 11 maybe, right? i don't know uh, maybe 13 or something is maybe. it 13 maybe i thought, I thought the I last one we did up, was 10 I mean, was... It was a long time that's yeah sure. are you, you think it we're... might have been 10 you could be right maybe 10 is is, is right i know um, like... what was the last conjoined wasn't it conjoined 11 or was it conjoined 10 was the last one maybe that was the last one conjoined 10 I think it that, was. It's easy to find out how many years it was because uh, <laughs> it was conjoined ten. It was the tenth one. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a lot of people took conjoined to mean uh, like people sewn together and right. conjoined people. <laughs> but that <laughs> so worked too. Con- that was cool. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, every year people would do like a conjoined type of like that was the theme, and it's like I kept telling everybody, it's not the theme, it's just the name. You could do anything you want, you know, anything that's cool. But you know, that a lot of times that made some really cool stuff. Um. Yeah, we should do it again. I guess uh, definitely. It's, definitely. I think um, the fact that we haven't done me. it definitely wasn't a good show for um, the pandemic. Um, I know, I know. It's too busy. The, yeah, the best thing about Conjoin was that, you know, sometimes there's a thousand people. I mean, <laughs> insane, you know, was, I've never seen. I mean, it's crazy that that was like the biggest show we, you know, probably ever did. And, you know, and every year it was like the biggest show of the year. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the turnout was just incredible. And the art was, there was always incredible pieces. Um yeah. So um, I'm just thinking that when we do another one, we should just do like a conjoined dark art show combined, um, maybe, right. and um, just make a like the you know the biggest show ever, um, the ultimate show. Yeah, people are be wanting to see you know see it again, and um, it doesn't even have to be in January again, particularly. Right. And, you know, it could just be like a, or it could be in next. You know, not going to be this January. It's too short a notice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's maybe for the sure. January after this one, or maybe the January after this one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I always thought that would have been a great museum show. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember talking to Greg about that, um, yeah. telling him, because he was all connected with the uh, 
the museum world and um yeah yeah and and he he was like i've told the story many times before he was like I, I said, it'd be so popular. You know, you see how popular it is. They'd make all kinds of money. And he was like, they don't care about that at all. They don't care about that <laughs> no. at all. They don't care what the people want. They don't care about making money. It's like they yeah. they just have their thing. They have their thing they want to do. And that's what they do, you know. Exactly. It's kind of like the situation I got in with taking over Carpro. That girl, Karen, she didn't want to do what made her money. She didn't want to do what would be the next great gallery. She wanted to do something that was like, a museum or a museum right. art and but doing a museum art at a gallery doesn't work that's the yeah thing. Gotta, they're two different worlds and that that definitely didn't work yeah for her at all yeah um, i think she was probably looking at what craig was doing with museums and mm. thinking a way to phase those two together but i think they're you know two different entities um there was that thing we were doing at um the beyond eden and you know the stuff mm-hmm. up at that gallery uh, that museum up in the hills, who Salvador Dali had a show in the '60s. Really? Um, yeah, at that museum. Wow. And you know, all of a sudden, a new director came in, and, and that was like one of the biggest attendance they ever had at that museum. Is that the shows the, that we did there? Which I mean, the, there was amazing attendance. Is that the uh, Ego Death preview? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, we did the Ego yeah. Death there. I think we did some kind of conjoined thing, a smaller conjoined thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pieces there in the past. Um, we did like some really great shows at that museum and then they got a new director and they didn't want anything to do with it. Even though it was like the <laughs> biggest attendance yep. doing shows, nobody's coming to the shows. Nobody cares about the shows, the show we shows we were doing there, you know, um, we're just, um, we're getting like incredible press and mm-hmm. incredible turnout. It was, you know, getting like articles written in the newspaper about, uh, I mean, it was just, insane all of a sudden all this coverage of the of that museum and then the new director's like i don't care i don't want any of that (laughs) i want to do something about you know uh something else you know she had some other type of concept that right yeah and then i haven't heard one thing about that gallery about that museum since right right i mean right nothing's been cool there there hasn't been any events there you know so like i said they've gone from salvador dolly to uh to what we were doing to like uh nothing <laughs> <laughs> wow so, i so, hope someday maybe they do some more it was a great space too it was an yeah it just space. it just seems like man it would be nice to have the support of the traditional museum system in that world that's that's the uh you know site great you know losing greg was a bummer just because he was an awesome guy and uh, that stuff, but that was also such a great loss for the art community because he was he was like the link, he was kind of our link to the blue chip world or to that kind of higher end world, and he was all yeah. about he was all about just bringing people together and making connections. He would do that all the time, and he never never wanted anything out of it. It was like such a trip. He just yeah. like wanted people to meet and get together, and you know he was all about the enthusiasm yeah and the scene and and the art he was all about the art it's amazing yeah well the thing is you know he did leave a legacy behind because now there's all these like now there are museum shows of all these uh, that's true so i you know it is going and it is going to keep going on he started it going and like i said he left behind a legacy because it's still going now so if nobody started that idea i think he was definitely uh a lot of people that do museum shows say, "Oh, I was influenced by Greg Escalante." Right. Yeah. This, you know, put the uh, the seed was planted, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and then also 
can always when the first museum show started popping up can always reference those other shows well mark ryden did, i did a museum show with mark Ryden. you know greg did a museum uh the meat show uh is a museum show also oh, with really? mark ryden and with shag he did a museum show uh with robert williams when he did his big show um he would also do a museum show in orange county um so he d- definitely i you know was the first to do it and like I said, I think put the idea in everybody's mm-hmm. head and it's still going. So, right. you know, did and, leave behind something. I yeah, mean, yeah, definitely. And, and Copro. And Copro yeah, is and still Copro going, Gallery. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Copro's become like, uh, I don't know, like a totally unique gallery in the scene, you know, uh, as far as one of the OG galleries you know it's like you for sure the only gallery on that level showing that kind of work the oh, kind, of, kind of dark stuff and you know i always of, hope that people are thinking that way definitely i'll tell you one thing that really changed the gallery is um putting up that dystopia front um facade yeah. in the front. <laughs> i mean you know i just look at the pictures of that place and i just go man that's that there's there's a I can guarantee there's never a gallery like it, and there's never going to be a gallery right. like it, <laughs> unless someone just totally copies uh, copies it. But <laughs> yeah. that could happen. But yeah. for right now, um, <laughs> definitely never a gallery uh, that has that kind of a facade, like a this dreary haunted house. Yeah, um. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> it's funny too how you're you're so copper so like tucked away, and it's like even with that the uh, the uh, uh, woman I was talking to that. Uh, at the gallery I was showing the around. manager of Bergamot station. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling, she was, she was saying how like, man, yeah, this, this one gallery has the most loyal fan base and you see the same people come out and it's really like a family atmosphere. And I said, yeah, it's, and it's, and she's like, it's weird because it's tucked way at the very back. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the black sheep gallery in this complex. And she was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Definitely. Um, when we got the gallery, um, it was impossible to, 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 to get a space in Bergamon. It was, uh, people had been there 20 years or uh-huh. 10 years before that, 15 years. Um, and it was just, nobody left their space cause it was a, it was a thriving art center of like, yeah, it's an awesome tons place. Of people yeah. on the weekends. For people who don't you know, know, it's like a big complex, huge complex of all these arts galleries and studios and stuff. Really nice. Yeah, so they had one space, that space in the back. You know, I kept trying to get a space there, and nothing looked good. And so then they had this one space in the back, and they go, well, we're evicting this guy. He's like, he was a furniture star, and he hasn't paid rent in three months. And the place just looked like some dump that he was living in. It was totally destroyed. I mean, the place was just, there wasn't caps on the the edges of the walls. Everything was all (laughs) rusty. Uh Uh, It was a crazy, crazy, like, the, 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 whatever that guy did to it, it was just insane. You know, he'd probably been there forever too. I imagine. Yeah, he'd been there for a while. Um, I don't think he'd been there that long. Um, um, but he'd been there for a while. And so then they said, "Well, we've got this place for rent, um, you know, but or for lease. But I don't think you're going to make. I don't think you're going to be able to, you know, make any money here, or have a gallery here, because you know you're way in the back. Because uh, Bergamot counted on, on the traffic, you know. Right. And I was just such a great space this giant ceilings and this yeah, big gallery. Yeah. And I just go, well, I mean, we can't turn this down because it's just such a great space. Um, but we, so we had an opening coming up and I said, um, we had to sink like, I think a hundred thousand dollars into it 
just to get it like presentable wow. as a gallery. <laughs> and we and we said, can you do it in like two weeks? If you can do it in two weeks, we'll do it because we have a show in two weeks. And can you like convert this place like to a gallery? You know? Wow. And yeah, they worked like round the clock and night and day. Holy and shit. And they can, you know, all of a sudden two weeks later, it was actually like a gal. It wasn't completely finished, but we had an opening um, there. So um, it was cool. So it was always like, even the, the manager, manager of the property always used to say to me, I never thought you guys could do it. I, I never thought I kind of laughed. I was thinking, you're going to, you know, this is kind of a joke. You're never going to, you know, get anywhere back here, you know, <laughs> um, because there's no, you know, nobody knows it's there and we never got almost any traffic. Right. Um, yeah. Until the... Lately we, we started to get some traffic right. um, the last several years. But, and then like one of the artists, Alan Williams told me, he was talking to some other gallery in the complex and they're going, you're showing at the joke gallery in the back. The joke like, gallery? Don't, uh, you know, don't, they don't know what they're doing. And, <laughs> but they didn't know what, no one knew what we were doing because they weren't coming to our, first of all, we were having op openings in the evening and they were on the day. Right. So none of them even came to our openings. Right. So they just thought we're the, oh, that gallery way in the back. I don't know what they're doing, you know. Well, plus so, they, <laughs> see a bunch of, they see a bunch of weirdos walking t that way. And, they, you know, it, it's funny because you have to like, you, when there's other shows there, you have to wade through like a bunch of like normal people in suits having wine and it's all very formal and and you have to kind of <laughs> you got all all of us weirdos walking through to get to the cool gallery in the back you know yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so for the galleries there they never really checked it out or knew what we were doing they just know like you say that a lot of weirdos were walking towards the back like <laughs> is that a gallery or what are they just partying yeah <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I think we were doing better than a lot of the galleries oh, that yeah. were there all that time. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, they, sure. You know, I, I don't think they had any. I don't think anybody had any idea. Um, and now a lot of them are starting to move and go out of business. Um, a lot of the galleries there, and hopefully some new ones will come along and take their places. And right, you know. How did um, you, you end up? Uh, Why did you have to move to to that place? Um, well, it was my, it was my idea. Um, I just, you know, I live being on Culver City and Sepulveda in Washington at that time and, you know, where Doug was living there, you know, it wasn't, right. it wasn't much of a gallery. Um, it was small too, right? It was kind of, yeah, it? it was concrete walls. You couldn't even nail right. into the concrete. It was kind of, um, insane, uh, as a gallery, but in those days, anything would do because there was just so few shows and anybody that had that kind of art, people were like, you know, dying to see that kind of art anywhere. So, right. you know, it was still cool. Um, and, and they knew everybody, so everybody would come there to have fun anyways and go to openings. Right. So it wasn't really much of a space, though. And then we had this Blab show coming up, and I go, let's try to do it. At I, I always loved Bergamot Station because they, you know, it was just, it was incredible in the 90s. I mean, the traffic, there was a lot of, you know, I always used to see Dennis Hopper there, Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. People were driving around in Ferraris in the parking lot. It was just <laughs> a super thriving place with wow. people walking around buying art. Um, it was pre-internet, so that was the way to buy art. You go there and you look at art, and then you buy it. You don't, you know, you don't see it on the internet at all. Right. You. So that's one of the reasons why it was so popular is because it's the only way to see art, mm -hmm. buy art, um, and it had so many galleries. Um, so I was always saying I'd love to, you know, have a gallery here. You know, this would be like the ultimate. So when we did that Blab show, we we're talking about getting some bigger artists. I said, let's, uh, you know, I, I tried to rent a rent a space from Track 16. I said, can you get, they had a big, they had a huge gallery 
Um, they were one of the founders of Bergamot Station. Oh, wow. um, Todd Patchett, you know, he produced Alf, and he was a he was one of the original people that invested in Bergamot. Mm. So he had the best gallery there, the biggest gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I remember Track Sixteen. I remember they were they were a name that came up a lot back when I was showing it when I was first started to show. Yeah, like, I think maybe they did some cannibal cool flower that, events at Track Sixteen or cannibal flower related events or something uh they, they did a juxtapose i don't think they ever oh, did a okay. flower. they did a juxtapose show. okay we did a cannibal flower show when we first moved i think this third month we moved into bergamot oh, really? <laughs> we, we did a cannibal flower show which was awesome it was like a you know a thousand people and it was really right. cool working with lc yeah um but um when we uh rented that space track 16 just had this one giant gallery i mean humongous gallery that was kind of empty that because they had so much space they didn't they didn't couldn't even fill it so i said would you you know do you guys rent it out they go oh yeah we'll rent it out and they're like yeah you want to you want to do a show this month yeah it'll be like twenty thousand dollars i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> just rent a space i mean come on so we worked it out and finally got it to something reasonable right. we still i thought way too much but we got something we worked it out where it was reasonable enough and um did a show there and it was like you know it was like amazing an amazing show and even they were like really thought it was great because it had a lot of the people that were real popular at the time like gary baseman and tim mm-hmm. biscup and mark ryden was there i think he might have just given us a really cool print or something mm-hmm. or a sketch i think he, he gave us a sketch mm-hmm. um, we had some really cool stuff but got a lot of support from every, everybody to do that show and um, that's when i was working at copro and that was like one of my first experiences really getting involved with trying to do a big event like that mm-hmm. i think that was my first biggest show one of my big first biggest shows mm-hmm. um so um um anyways we um after that i was going listen we got to get a space here and like i said we could get a space and we finally were offered that big space in the back you mm-hmm. know and i just let's just go for it man let's just do it and luckily i mean it's pretty incredible that doug and greg were up for that right you know what i mean like how amazing is that that you have like, you know that I'm just really an employee at that point, and then they're okay with like, okay, we'll we'll let you take a loan out for a hundred thousand dollars to fix this place up, right? And just you know, and just make the move over there, and uh, you know, just start this start a gallery there. I mean, they weren't even that sure about it themselves, but they I was so enthusiastic about it, you know. Wow. Uh, they they definitely went along with it and said, yeah, let's do it, man, let's do it, you know. Right. So. You know, That's you won't so find cool. many uh, jobs like that where you can yeah. <laughs> make a move like that um, as an employee. So they definitely, you know, I was almost felt like I was an owner at that point. Right. But, you know, without having all of the stress of being an owner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I think um, most I people. felt like I ran it, you know. Yeah, most people. I know a lot of people that didn't had no idea that you weren't the owner for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So, because um, they both had full-time jobs. So right. I can't imagine trying to do something like that with like a full-time job like that where you're working every day nine to five right Greg lives in orange county it's like a you know two three hour drive sometimes right <laughs> yeah 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 that'd be insane yeah, he but he came man he's put on those miles man yeah yeah <laughs> came out to la coming there still come to every show and every opening yeah you know, i mean driving two like i say two three hours in rush hour you know yeah he was um, into it he was into yeah, it yeah so that's where it started you know yeah that's that's cr- crazy. Uh, uh, so, at what point did uh, Erica start working there? Because you know Erica is, is such a huge part of the gallery, 
as well. You know, it's like Capro is you and Erica, and you have this. Yeah. You have this yeah. way of working Erica together. Did, uh, you know, <laughs> huge, huge, huge boost to the gallery. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I had some people working there, um, and it was cool. It was mostly me, and then they were just you know, mostly working behind the desk and helping me ship and right. doing stuff. Um, and, it, and then they were getting disgruntled because then they, you know, just like anybody does, they wanted to run the gallery. Right. We're running the gallery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were there a lot of the time. So, you know, and they were kind of running it to the point of, you know, being behind the desk all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, then they decided, they went separate ways for different reasons and then i just asked erica to help out and then erica was like super enthused right from the start mm-hmm. and was, you know just immediately just like did the same thing i did to greg just acted like it was her gallery and she was running it <laughs> <laughs> she was doing everything like it was her gallery um, immediately you know um um and she was like in the end she started the thing of uh packing the paintings um where really well because that was one problem it was uh, we did you know it's really hard to pack paintings as ever, everybody knows right the shipping and we, you know it, i i did a lot of the packing and the girls that worked there and just a lot of you know it didn't always work out um i don't think we had any major catastrophes but you know so, sometimes stuff would make it there that we I had a few problems right yeah and, uh, um and that's when i realized that you know one of the main things about this business is is the shipping because right people can't get their art safely um, they're not going to keep going to your gallery. Or they're not. I mean, it could stop them collecting altogether. Right. Somebody gets a painting with a, a destroyed or a de- even a dent in it, depending right. on who the person is. They might just stop collecting art. Going, I can't collect art anymore. Right. I mean, if I could see it in person, I'll buy it. But I'm not going to get stuff through the mail. It's like not dependable, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have to like make it. Uh, and we ship art all over the world now. We have a lot of our client bases in different countries. Right. And you know. We have to be able to ship art to like uh, a foreign country, you know, and hopefully have it arrive there within a week safely. So, right. you know, with Erica, that's been possible because somehow she's got it down now to a science where yeah. she can do it. Um, I don't think I could if it was if you were counting on me, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't well, think I could ever do it. Maybe never. <laughs> I, I, it's, it, I feel like uh, uh, since Erica started working with you the gallery to me the gallery became like fully formed like perfect with you guys working there you know it's like you you ran for years before that but but it just feels like i don't know it's like a perfect balance the way you both work you know you definitely like balance each other out you know and erica hangs the shows and then you're taking care of the website and dealing with Phone call. You, have a, you, you just have it all like to where it's like a show comes in and you both just do your thing and it's not like yeah. you're stepping on each other's toes or anything. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we all do. We all help each out with it, you know, help each other out with different right. things. Too. Um, she can do some of the stuff I can do and I can do some of the yeah. stuff she can do. So, um, you know, in, in emergencies, we can always uh, pull yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great partnership, though. Yeah, well, thanks. And you know, you can imagine if one person gets sick during an, before an opening. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like a disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> luckily, we've stayed healthy, so staying healthy is important. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Keep this going. Yeah, absolutely. So you, uh, yeah, <laughs> this gallery, Copro is kind of like the gallery that will not die. 
It's been yeah, going, you know, 20 years sure. and so many things have come up to where it's like we might have to move out or whatever. They might close down Bergamot and blah, blah, blah. It's like yeah. it just is like a cockroach. It won't die. It keeps going. <laughs> and it's like so many, you know, a lot of galleries have shut down and didn't make it through, you know, even the recession uh, back way back when in 2007. It's like, and especially during the pandemic, it's like galleries have come and gone and Copro's been... Yeah, I think Stand it's just busy. because, you know, being owned just like by me and, and just and, and then with Erica helping, um, it's um, just um, it can't die. Right. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's just, I don't know what I would do without it. So I don't know where I'm going to go, um, you know, without having without being at the gallery. So, right. you know, I want to retire. But um, and I was thinking of, you know, almost going into semi-retirement but i can still keep doing you know just maybe doing less shows right but um i think it you know it just uh the the art shows uh keep happening and then i just feel like there's uh it's just gonna keep going you know right you can't stop you know yeah <laughs> can't <laughs> there's no way out at this point yeah. <laughs> definitely across the rubicon and um yeah Way past the across the Rubicon, like maybe uh, twenty years, ten years ago, yeah, <laughs> maybe twenty years ago, for that matter. I mean, I didn't know it then, but I did, and there's no turning back. That's yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's like a whole community that relies on you too now. That uh, I don't know loves the loves to go to the shows, and I don't know. It's such a cool family atmosphere. I, I'm telling you, man. Other galleries are just not like that. I've, I've been, yeah, it's like, I, I we stopped going to a lot of openings. There's so. not this, there's not the fan, there's not the vibe there. There's not the the vibe there. It's like so many, so many other galleries, it seems like they're, they're always trying to be like fancier and fancier and it gets more like less, like less cool and less real or something. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, well, it's, it becomes a business, you know, right. And but still, you, should, you, you know, you guys are able to it's a business, but you're able to maintain this kind of, I don't know. It feels like a real scene. It doesn't feel like bullshit. Like so many other shows I go uh, to seem like, I don't know. Well, there's just, yeah. There's just not that feeling there. I feel like, well, thanks for saying that. That's for sure. It feels yeah. good to hear it. Um, oh, yeah. I don't always everybody, know. Everybody thinks that though. Everybody oh, thinks cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves that gallery. Cool. Well, you know, it definitely um, is easy for it to turn into a business, um, and there's usually more than one person involved. So there's usually, you know, several owners or investors. Mm -hmm. It's usually it's usually not just one person. So in this case, it's just one person, right. me, and then Erica. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it's uh, definitely different in that situation. Yeah. You know, it's just what I want to do. There's no, there's no other influence. Nobody, right. not, a co-owner can't say, "Well, we got to do this." You know, right. Um, I mean, Greg was a great person to work for, and I didn't have to make many changes. But even then, there was at least another uh, another word, you know, in right, the gallery. Right. But he was was always, you know, you never find a boss like that. He was always so cool, with yep. letting me do whatever I wanted, um, and and just like um, contributing to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's even, you know, in some ways, it's just to really just be a completely a hundred percent one person. That's you know, that's running the gallery. Um, it's it's pretty awesome, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not and, to, and Erica, you know, I don't want you know is, is oh, like yeah, yeah. as important as me, but um, you know. Yeah, you guys are like a team. You guys are like a team. Yeah. I, 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 uh, she's uh, she she does she always ha hangs the shows in such an amazing way. Yeah, it's like I was like I was saying before you guys. I, I wish that 
you guys could have a reality show. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were talking about doing some reality shows before the pandemic. Right. A few people were talking about doing art gallery. It would be um, it reality would, shows. It would be amazing <laughs> just to see how everything that goes into setting a show up. And I've told people, you know, you know how it is. It's like at the last minute, you won't go in and you're seeing just like boxes everywhere. It's somehow <laughs> m- minutes before the opening, everything is pristine. It's like, wow, how did you do that? That's impossible. <laughs> well, nothing, nothing tops the dystopia show that that'll always be a hundred percent. Like live on in history is like, I got there at six thirty, and they're putting up that facade and I'm going, what the hell? There's no way this show's going to be ready at eight o'clock. Like, <laughs> six, there's nothing there at eight o'clock. Six thirty. I I I videotaped it and I posted it on Instagram. Uh, it's six thirty <laughs> right now. This, but this is how we roll. You know? <laughs> A bunch of people like setting up the stuff in front. Like there's just tools. And it was just like insane. I'm going. There's no way this is going to be like happening at eight o'clock. You know. And then sure enough, eight o'clock. Everyone's going, this is the coolest show I've ever been to. This, this is incredible, you know? And I'm just like, whoa, this like happened like in two hours. Yeah, <laughs> I had, had water coming out of a sewer pipe and everything. Yeah, it was uh, insane. Yeah, a smoke street stats, smoke. smoke. <laughs> That's like, a, you know, at least like a week-long type of a right. setup, like in a museum or something. It was like a museum show, so... Mm-hmm. That's like a week long setup. And that's how we, you know, and that's why I never took the facade down. They came to take it down. I go, well, can't we leave it up? Uh, this is like so, like, I can't see all that work just like going in like yeah, three weeks, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm glad I've kept it up. And, you know, now I'm thinking I want to just like restore it because, right. you know, through all the rains and everything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, inc- that's the most incredible story. I don't think, I mean, we've had a lot of shows. Um, that have like conjoined shows where, you know, it's just like we didn't think we were going to make it. Right. We, you know, somehow made it or just about made it at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the most incredible. Dystopia is like, uh, you know, was maybe the most, uh, you know, made, most ambitious project. Yeah. And done in the smallest amount of time as far as the setup goes. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Because remember also there was like the, the monitor section when you walk. There was the mausoleum you had to walk through. Yeah. There was the monitors with all the videos on. Like the it, when you walked in by the by the cash register and uh, the walls were all painted with the drippy walls and the trash. and It was so cool. It was such a great show. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really like... Uh, you know, that's what's cool about art shows. They're they're like those like uh really great art shows are like really great punk shows because they're small enough to where it's like only a certain amount of people experience that. You know? Mm-hmm. Where it's like if you're at a, if it's a band doing a stadium show, it's like you got tons of people seeing it. What, yeah. <laughs> what was that are you waving? No doubt. Are you, man, wa- no waving, doubt. Are you waving to Erica? Not to Erica. <laughs> Tell Erica to say hello. She should she should oh, come and say hi. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> we're saying how great you are, Erica. Uh, yeah, we're just talking about how great you are. Yep. <laughs> Erica is holding up a sign that says, Be grateful to all the artists of Copro and to Chet Czar. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you want to show the sign, Erica? <laughs> 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 he's great. embarrassed now no uh, no she shouldn't be embarrassed 
no, she's great. Everybody loves Erica. Everybody loves Erica. She it's 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 a it's it's a yin and yang situation. Totally. I totally. could be kind of to the opposite, and you know, yeah, opposite <laughs> track for sure. Right. Well, yeah, you're you're. It's like you're. Uh, she's like the uh, you're the devil, and she's the angel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you used to say, she's my conscience. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have any conscience otherwise. <laughs> I um, took one of those evil um, tests online, uh, and I'm 93 percent evil. So. <laughs> I passed it to some other people, and they were getting like 63, 70, 40. I go, something's wrong with me. You were at the <laughs> top of the simple questions. And I, I showed it to someone, and they go, no way. You're lying. You're exaggerating. I go, I showed all the questions. I go, no, I did that. <laughs> That's but it's always in a nice way. Be evil in a nice way. Yeah. Don't, as long as nobody gets hurt being evil. That's right. <laughs> That's what's important. Be kind to children and animals and yep. old people. Yeah. Seniors. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, do you have like a, like a long-term plan for the gallery or are you just kind of like letting it unfold and see where it goes and just kind of doing a show every month and just. Yeah. I mean, I'm really locked into it. Um, like I said, there's no, it just can't stop. It seems like it can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I just think this is just taking so much out of me. You know, I got to like maybe slow down, but it's like um, the gallery's driving me, me more than I'm driving me. You know, right. the gallery's like uh, the, the shows are happening and they're dri- they're driving me to the uh, to uh, whatever. I'm taking everything um, a day at a time. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm really not looking for, for. I mean, I'm always trying to look towards setting up shows in the future, but where it goes, I'm not really. Uh, worried about where it goes i know that i'm on the right path mm-hmm. i think when you get on the right path and you're you know you're secure on where you're going then you don't really worry about it you yeah know? I, I mean I everybody t- always tells me that um i'm like you don't have to plan things you don't have any plan you don't do things a certain way like you're just up to improvise and do things totally different tomorrow you know it's like it's disturbing to a lot of people because a lot of people need a plan and right. need to have uh something they need to do and with me i'm just like i just enjoy uh like you say having things unfold every day until whatever happens you know yeah yeah and that doesn't bother me it's, yeah. it's more fun that way you know? i i agree i agree and i feel i feel that this way with the podcast too like i started this thing and it just kind of keeps going and i just do the interviews every week and it's almost like this living entity it's like i know that so many people right. want to hear it now and so I just like keep, I don't, you know, don't think about it much other than uh, once a week I get to interview someone and I got to schedule that and then I do the interview, post it, and then I just like go back with my other stuff and it's almost like this this thing that just is running on its own and I just, it's like I'm, I, I work for the, the thing that's happening in a way, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's important what you're doing because... How is anybody going to, you know, I mean, I've learned so much whenever I hear, like that Brad Gray interview, mm-hmm. for instance, I'm just, I'm just going, this guy's got some insane stories. Uh, yeah. How would, you know, how would you ever know? I mean, to me, Brad Gray is this guy um, on email that I, that I talk to that sends me images of paintings and, you know, titles and statistics on the painting. I don't know anything about, about him. Then all of a sudden I find out, all, you know, what an interesting uh, life he's had. Right, I know. What an interesting person he is. Um and, you know, as well as several of the other artists um, that you've had on here, it's just 
amazing uh, the stories. Yeah, so. yeah, they're <laughs> they're. I I find that you know everybody has a really interesting story to tell, and I think that's probably true for most people, really. But but especially artists, you know, especially artists have have kind of crazy, uh, unusual stories, and everyone's path is always different. So it's really interesting. But someone I forget who mentioned this to me recently about this podcast saying it's important because it's um it's uh it's it's like keeping a record of this time that's happening right now in the art world in this scene oh yeah and it's like i never even thought about that like you know uh, documenting it documenting yeah and it's like that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah well i mean the way i always look at it is um one one art scene besides uh, you know if you could have been like gone back in time and been in the surrealist art right. scene uh, you know and been part of that or the dada mm-hmm. is, you know that just seems like that would have been so amazing oh, yeah, to live yeah. in that time you yeah. know and be part of that movement of yeah. art you know and, i mean can you imagine uh the you know how in those in the 30s right. the 20s and 30s what that would have been like it's you know, like I said, people shot guns, you know, at the yeah. screen and, <laughs> yeah. you know, destroyed the art. Yeah. And you really upset people. Nowadays, I think people are desensitized and you're not going to really ever shock people too much with art. Right, you right, know, right. <laughs> it's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, would piss, even that piss Christ thing that, you know, got pe- by Andre Serrano, mm-hmm. got people so upset in the art world. Would that even shock people today? As yeah, much, I don't you know? think so. <laughs> I don't think so. That was only, you know, whatever, 20 years right. ago. So it's hard to shock people. But then I think, and then I think the other the other scene would have been the Warhol scene about you know with the factory and mm-hmm. like God that would have been so cool to be back yeah. in that scene. But, but I think both of those scenes, if you were there at the time, it would be pretty much like this scene is to us right now. It would have been like whatever. Yeah. This is the way things are. Right. They wouldn't think this is going to be the most <laughs> incredible piece of history that people are going to look back on as like you know just wishing people they could have had a time machine yeah. and go back to that. You know, I, I um, think so. I think so. I mean, th- there's I can't think of like a more th- there's no more. Not that I'm aware of a more vibrant art scene right now. I can't think of, yeah. in the blue chip or anywhere in the blue chip. Maybe maybe I guess street art, even street art, like with Banksy and stuff was like it was hot for a while. But yeah, it's not really. It's kind of like, I don't know. It got it got well, it's blue chip now. Banksy's yeah. Blue chip, you know, right, right. which is awesome. I think it's yeah. incredible that. But people like that, you know, and, and even I Warhol, chip, you know, right. I mean, people basically hated Warhol for a long mm-hmm. time. And even when he died, I think people, you know, uh, his opening with with Basquiat, the last opening he did, you know, he was really famous to, to some extent. But pe- a lot of people still hated him. And mm-hmm. he wasn't like some wasn't something that was great. You know, that people thought of as great. Right. As much. Some people did, but not everybody. for right. sure. And then when he died, then all of a sudden they had the giant retrospective. All of a sudden, you know, the I mean, the pieces are like ten million dollars, right? You know, the, the the write-ups, and then all of a sudden, the attitude. Oh, this guy was the greatest guy, you know, person in the world that started pop art. Um, and you know, he did. Um, he lives up to that name, but it's it's like people. T- it took a long time for people to discover that, right. you know. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, d- dark art and the art that we're doing today, mm-hmm. at some point in the future, becomes something like that. So you know. Um, as Salvador Dali, people hated Salvador right. Dali. Kicked out of the Surrealist group. Mm-hmm. People thought he was too uh, too weird, know, too weird and <laughs> wacky for, the, for them. I mean, they you know they hated him. A lot of people hated him. Right. And um, he didn't. In the fifties, you could get a 
you know, I mean, it was probably a lot of money at the time, but you can get a Salvador Dali painting for like $700 or something. Wow. It's a lot more money, of course. Right, right. But still, it, was, it wasn't a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Time, you know, and then in the 60s, I think he hooked up with a lot of Hollywood. And uh, I think Alfred Hitchcock was one of his first, mm. you know, people that bought a painting for millions of dollars or, you know. Right. He just all of a sudden found a, an audience in America. You know, he didn't find it in Europe. He found an audience in America that had a lot of money that would buy his paintings for, you know, an amazing amount of money. And then became uh, kind of like Banksy. All of a sudden, he wasn't this underground guy right. that was doing incredible stuff that nobody knew about. He was like this guy that was like uh, rich. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I feel the same way, though. I think this... You know, I guess the message is just uh, appreciate it, appreciate it that you know all the artists and people who go to these shows, appreciate, you know, realize what what it is you're you're a part of, because you know you're gonna look back and go like, man, I didn't didn't even didn't even realize that this is like this big thing now, and you know, I yeah. I, I, I think it'll don't miss out, man, don't miss out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a like- you know, like people coming flying in to see your show uh, this weekend. Right. Um, that was amazing. You know, that was like such a great idea to do because, you know, who knows when your next show is going to be. I mean, your last show was, what, three, four years ago. Right. So three, four years, we're talking about 2000. Hopefully it's sooner than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was two years ago, maybe. Well, I, as far uh, as a major, like a big show, definitely. Yeah, like dystopia. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we did some shows, um, some smaller shows, um, and which are great shows, too. But yeah, um, yeah. having the whole gallery and making it an event with mm-hmm. the theme, like nobody else is doing that that I know of. Right, yeah. I can't think of an artist that's really. I think there was a trend towards trying to do stuff that was cool like that at one point, but I think a lot of that stuff's out the window now. People are just basically trying to, you know, trying to sell art right now a lot. I mm-hmm. think there's not as many people trying to put on really cool shows and, right. and have a really cool concept. Um, I noticed more of that at one time, but I don't think there's the time or the money or the investment or the enthusiastic people like Greg Esalani around right. that these days, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I get of. I mean, I just can't, um, like this show is just, uh, you know, it's kind of like a whole, you're immersed in this whole concept of chaos. Right. And, um, if you're there, I mean, it's like a one, once in a lifetime thing, you know, it's like, there's not going to be a chaos show again. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You did know. you, did you realize that the, uh, someone told me I didn't, I didn't even realize it. This is one of those cosmic synchronicities that it was, the show was right in the middle of Mercury retrograde. Oh, wow. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> it's so funny. Because yeah, you know, the show yeah. is about chaos, and it's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, definitely tuned into that. Um, I definitely think that the pull of gravity from planets, man, affects us, you know. Uh, like yeah. the full moon, you know. Yeah. I definitely, if you don't believe that, you just. Uh, it's true. Just, like, I, the dark. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a fact that, you know, crazy shit happens on full moons, and that crime goes up on full moons and stuff. It's like the yeah, police know I mean, it. it we're water. I mean, we're mostly water, yep. our body, and the planet's gravity. It's pulling us, you know, and that we're feeling that pull. Maybe like, you know, uh, it just changes the energy somehow. You know, there's like a. Yeah. Uh, I, I've I've always I heard uh, the 
astrology explained to me too that there is like there are patterns in nature repeating patterns like fractal patterns in nature like life mm-hmm. cycles and nature cycles and periods of rep- time repeating you know cycles basically and that's the same with the planets and it's like uh aside from the whole issue of like you know gravity and and actually being affected physically there's this it's more like a map of the cycle of you can you can map out energy cycles on earth based on planetary positions right you know what i mean yeah kind of makes sense to me you know you just have to you have to take that leap of you know a lot of people don't like to believe in energy in energy cycles but i don't know it's like to me you can feel you could you could feel and and you could feel an energy when you walk into a a situation you know what i mean yeah it's like the copro shows are always yeah, when you do mind-bending drugs, you can feel that even more. Totally. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's I have true. done, in, you know, I'm sober like uh, 38, 37 years Amazing. now. But, um, yeah. you know, when I did, I mean, that was a time when I kind of like, I can remember experiencing, like you say, energy fields yeah. or just, you see, all of a sudden you you can see what, what, what the, what's really going on I in know. the world. You know, we're, basically, we're all, everything's atoms and mo- molecules and yep. time and space. So, you know. For us, we're just living our lives and, you know, doing, you know, trying to, you know, find something to eat or drink or, right. you know, or, or have fun, you know, to yep. us, living our life. But there's a lot of things going on that you don't, you don't even think about. Um, you're, you're kind of cheating when you think about all this stuff because you're, you're finding out what's really going on. You know, we're supposed to just like experience this and just go about our life. Right. And, but then people are starting to figure stuff out. Yeah. Like what's really- on, you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I I was just talking to Gabe because uh, we drove out to the show, Gabe Leonard, and he was telling me about this uh, video. I've, I'd actually had seen it too, so we were talking about it. There's some science video where they were talking about how um, uh, they they ran these AI simulations, uh, ev- evolutionary sim- simula- simulations, to see if these AI models of humans if you know if if uh how they would evolve and who what traits give like uh evolutionary advantage and they and they modeled one of the models was like these people that see the a deeper reality in things as opposed to just a stronger type of of being and the 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 seeker i think it was or like the that type of person didn't have an evolutionary advantage it's like the strong the one that was stronger physically had the more evolutionary advantage so it's like even knowing more about what's really going on beneath the surface is not an advantage to as a physical animal right. on this planet <laughs> it's that like, makes sense yeah it's like being strong is is, is, the, is the advantage <laughs> something that dumb and like just you know simple you know what i'm saying right so it's like they, I, they I, do say, I, was, I was watching a thing on evolution and they did say that the reason why did you know human uh, homo sapiens become you know take over the planet and why did they live when all the other mm-hmm. you know beings uh you know became extinct um, and they said it's because of the creativity of human beings. Right. You know, it was all the creators that it wasn't being strong or because, uh, you know, the a lot of the other ones were 
some of them were hunters, better hunters. Some of them were stronger when they could make mm-hmm. tools. But they, you know, Homo sapiens have a much more are much more imaginative, right. and creative, and can figure out ways right. out, you know, figure out ways out of their problems. Or yeah, figure out make... a way to keep warm or start fire. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, heat or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the creative way is, which is probably why you know there's so much art today. You know, because we are a creative uh, species. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here is because we're creative. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> could, have, could have become extinct. Homo sapiens could have become extinct. Yep. For sure. That's yeah. Just, you know, they, and they say by, um, it's sometimes it's by 1% that we became the, uh, you know, there's other, it could have just been a crazier, a different world. You know, it's by 1% that Homo sapiens became, you know, the people that are, you know, run the earth really, you know? Right. So, yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, wow. Okay, so we're getting. Well, we got off topic a little bit. No, that's all right. That's, all right. that's what the show's all about. Um, so, I don't. Is there anything you want to tell people about running a gallery? You've been running a gallery for so long, and I know people have such. So many people have misconceptions about the art world and the gallery scene, and it's like, I, have you ever? You know, is there anything you want to tell people about running a gallery? Um, <laughs> the only thing I could tell you about that is, you know, we want to be your we want to be your friend and we want to help you. Um, that could sound really phony in a lot of other businesses, right. like buying a car. <laughs> We're your friend. Right. Um, want to buy this Toyota Camry for thirty nine ninety five? You know, <laughs> in the art world, we really do. I mean, you know, I'm a I was a collector, and we well, really least... do want to help you. We want to help build your collection, right? want to help you out we want to give you a break uh, financially in any way we can we want to give you payments uh, we want to do anything that we can do to make the experience you know enjoyable right uh, uh, it should be an enjoyable experience a lot of times it's not an enjoyable experience buying art i mean i've had that situation oh well you're gonna have to pay these fees and do this mm-hmm. and that you know i've had a lot of uh, you know, when I, I buy art still from different galleries sometimes, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's great, but then sometimes I get some people, I'm just going, what the hell are you, you know, talking about? Because, um, you know, um, it should be, it should be an enjoyable experience. I mean, buying art and having an art collection is fun. It's not a necessity right. to life, you know, you don't need it. And there's always some other art around the corner that people can get. If they don't get this, they can get something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we want to really uh, give people what they want and uh, and be their friend and help them with their collection. And you know, yeah, not, we're not like an adversary, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. That's that's the thing about the the community and stuff. It's it's like <clears throat> it, it, it's 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 very much like this whole dark art society community. It's very like supportive and stuff, and of each other. Everyone's like supportive of each other, and it's like that in the um in you know the kind of copro community and also you know just like like when uh uh jeremy shot was over the gallery the other day at your gallery yeah from a competing gallery dark art emporium and it's like we're all just hanging out and talking it wasn't weird it wasn't like you know i know other galleries are like sending spies over to look at your shows and trying to oh yeah (laughs) you know shit copy uh she, like, whatever that stuff goes on but i'm telling you in like in the in this dark art scene in our scene what the stuff that we're doing it's not like that 
Right. And you can't copy it. You can't send spies over to see what people are doing. You can't copy it. Right. <laughs> you could think that you can. In other businesses, you can. If I mean, obviously, yeah. like in the TV business, you could see what show is doing really well right. and then do a spinoff of that show. Say, oh, people are really into buddy comedies right, right. now. Well, let's let, you know, let's do a buddy comedy. I don't right think you now. can get away with it. With, they're at, you know? Yeah, you can't get away with it with art, though. I think that's part yeah. of the reason the gallery is successful. It's like, it's because it's. Because you guys are actually, you guys are, yeah, it's real. You guys are into it. The artists are real. There's not a bunch of people just trying to, you know, make, making paintings, trying to make the most sellable painting that'll make the most money. It's like, they're into it because they're into it. And it's like, they have to make money. So they want it. They want to make, everybody wants to make money, but it's like the art comes first. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people don't want to make money, particularly <laughs> some artists. <laughs> yeah, like, that's I'm true. Surprised. They just do like a, you know, a giant painting that's going to be almost impossible to sell, and they know that over and over again. But that's what they want to do. So yeah, that's it, part. That's part of that compulsion, though. That art compulsion. It's it's hard right. to ignore, you know. And how much money do you need? You know, how much money do you need? Right. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're comfortable and you have enough money to support yourself and everything's going well, you you do think to yourself. Um, you don't need to get make more money. You just need to have a better life, really, right. to improve life, which might not have anything to do with money. You know, right, right. So it might just have to be more. You know, get out more, or exercise, or take hikes, or and go to the beach, or stuff like that. That doesn't, you know. So um, really, to improve your life isn't. You know, I think a lot of artists realize that too. They just use a different part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the creative side of your brain, and they figure. You know, I don't need money right now. I'm just going to do what I want. If somebody likes it, they like it. And if they don't, right. they don't. And, and they'll do that over and over again. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and sometimes, it, you know, eventually it, it kicks in. And that, I think that's been like with you what happened. Because for how many years, you know, do we struggle mm-hmm. to get people to become as enlightened to your art, um, you know, for yeah. years and years. Yep. And then you just kept doing what you want. It's not like you're trying to do stuff to make more money right. or trying to steer your art a certain direction. But then eventually it just happened. You yeah, know? yeah. Eventually yeah. people, you know, became got on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you were always supportive of that. You guys were never pushing me to like do stuff that was more commercial or something. And I remember I always tell the story. I've told it so many times on the podcast that that I remember when I was first starting out. You're like, yeah, it'll probably take you about ten years before you start making decent money at it getting like decent sales and uh i was like oh man <laughs> it seemed like forever and then it was really it was at that 10 it was this 10 year point where things like really really did start to kick in it's like okay this is this is i can i can afford to live now you know it's not so much so much of a struggle all the time so I was right. like, I was pretty impressed that you were able to kind of nail it <laughs> to the, to well, you know, that's for you, you know, that's for people like you and me. I mean, like, like it right. took the gallery several years. That's where people are doing stuff against the grain. Right, right, right. Dag, for instance, you know, he came right out of the gate selling, you know, selling his art like out immediately. Who's that? Who? It just appealed to a lot of people. Who? Just a much more commercial thing. We're both doing Wait. something not like. Right. And unique, right? And right. Who that's we, what takes more time. That's who, why I said that. Yeah, you. right. Right. You're going to take ten years because you're doing something unique, and people have to like understand this right. and get into this, you know, wavelength. And yeah, and you got to find the audience too because it's a more specialized audience. Which artist did you say came out? Shag. Oh, Shag. Yeah, just yeah. An, right. Just an example. His first show, you know, sold out. I mean, right. Really? Nobody. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually knew him before that. Um, I like Sh- I always like Shag stuff. I think Shag's great. Yeah, his early stuff was dark. That's what's so funny. He had yeah. like the Devil's Bachelor pad. Yeah, people yeah. Tied up and being tortured with deep guys <laughs> yeah. with hoods on. I mean, he, he's a dark, uh, funny guy. Yeah, you know? but yeah. He does do a lot more commercial now. Right. He was. He went to illustration college and he and he worked a job as an illustrator in the um, uh, music industry. Mm. So he is used to doing things, um, you know, for money and right. to, 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 to to please people. But this his art he's doing started off as being his personal project. And when I talked to him before he had his first show, because I he I knew him because our my roommate was Stan from the Dicky the band the Dickies mm-hmm. and Shag had done the first artwork. He got his first paid job from Stan oh, doing wow. an album cover for him. You know, wow. Shaq was all excited that he had gotten a, you know, gotten a gig. And so I talked to him around that. I said, oh, you, should, you know, do some. I was interested in his artwork. And he said, well, you're not going to like the stuff that I have. This is like my personal stuff. It's kind of like Picasso and, and uh, Tiki art. And, you know, it's just kind of this different thing. And this is just for fun, you know. Right. And he did it. He put it out, and like I said, people just responded to it. So, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it just appealed to a much broader audience. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely uh, got more commercial appeal. But uh, yeah, it does feel to me his stuff feels real. It's not. It doesn't seem like phony or anything. It's like I, 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 you get, I get a sense of like he really he's he's into it. And uh, yeah, I like definitely. it. I just think it's cool and it's funny and it's like I like it. I, I I've always liked his stuff. Um. I got th- yeah, yeah. He was like I say. Strangely enough, he was one of the early dark artists. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he had paintings of Frankenstein. Yeah, I remember. I mean, they were. It was really dark. It's not dark anymore, but right. it's just, you know, it's a. It's he, just like evolved or he whatever. Did, you know? He they just released one that was like I forget what it's called. It was like Goth Cocktail Party or something, and it's like a <laughs> bunch of goths. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I just saw it like yeah. a week ago or something. Really right. cool. He still right. has that in him. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a cool guy too. I finally got to meet him, and uh, I liked him. Yeah, cool. yeah. He's a cool guy for sure. Everybody's cool. That's the other thing. Everyone's cool in this scene. But hey, okay, so the last thing I want to ask you, because um, we're coming up on two hours here, so I, I don't want to. Oh, oh, we're at two hours. Shit. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Crazy. It goes fast, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh. uh advice for i know that um a lot of people that listen to the show are dark artists that are just trying to get into galleries they you know that's the probably the number one thing i get from people especially newer artists that are trying to uh you know build up their thing and they want to get in galleries so what advice what advice do you give to artists that are starting out like especially doing this weird stuff 10 years? Well, you know, <laughs> they're actually like lucky enough to be in a time with so much social media right. and stuff. So I, you know, the the solution is not for an artist that's starting out to get into a gallery. That's not their solution because if they're just starting out and they don't have any fans and they haven't done anything yet, they're going to get into a gallery and just probably not sell anything. Right. And that's what I, yeah. It's just going to, you know, it's not going to, that's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to get into a gallery. Right. What you're trying to do is find people that like your artwork and, and accumulate, you know, a collector base. Um, so start posting up on Facebook and Instagram, you know, um, much like all artists have done. And, you know, people start coming to you. Okay. I like what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and start building up something on your own. Right. Um, and, and, you know, putting your stuff out there 
and seeing what people's re- you know go by you know listen to what people have to say or if you get comments or you know suggestions or whatever and um definitely j- sign up for chet's patreon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you need to get advice from somebody that's done it before and uh you know not don't ask galleries oh what do i do to get into your gallery or how do i start doing paintings that'll sell in your ga-? you know right that, that's not the solution the solution is in the art itself and you know, you need advice from an artist on that. If it's not Chet, you know, ask Chet and then maybe some other, any other artists that you could find that you admire, mm. ask them, you know, ask them advice and definitely put, start putting your stuff out there on social media and try to like, just talk to it, meet as many people as you can and see if people like it. If, if nobody likes your art on social media or on Instagram, you know, you're not going to be showing it in a, it's not going to be good in a gallery, you know? Right. You know, and that's not good for anybody. It's not good if you, all of a sudden, let's say you just give somebody a show that doesn't that's not ready for it, and then they just put up a bunch of paintings, and then nothing sells, and nobody likes it. Right? Yeah, and you that's get kind bad of, feedback. Yeah, that's, that, that might make you never paint again. You might just <laughs> there, you know, stop painting and go, okay, I, I, you know. So you know, get there first, and when you get there, you'll know it because people will be emailing you and you know right. contacting you and saying, hey, I love this piece. Can you sell? You want to sell it? You know? Right. Um, and whether it's, you know, for like a hundred dollars or if you could buy, get someone to buy a painting of yours for a hundred dollars, that's a good sign. Somebody wants to buy something of yep. yours, you know, if nobody's going to buy anything for yours for a hundred dollars, you know, you need to keep working on it. Right. <laughs> Do you ever, I guess a quick follow up. That's, I mean, this, that's basically what I tell artists too. It's like build your following. Once you have your following and a collector base and a record of sales, then, uh, and a reputation, you know, a name for yourself, then you'll be able to, galleries will want you to show with them. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll, they'll be right. looking for you. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the old days where you go to a, a gallery, you know, you go to a gallery and then they take care of you basically and you don't do anything except paint paintings and they sell your work. And it's like, it's, it's just a different world now. It's like a different. And, and rip you off usually. Yeah. And rip you <laughs> off and take. 80% or 70% or whatever those blue chip galleries. That's part of doing everything for you is taking right. all your money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's, it's true, man. Um, but I was going to ask you too, is there, you deal, I'm sure you deal with new artists all the time trying to contact the gallery and trying to get shows. Is, is there any like, uh, is there any like mistake you see being done over and over that you would tell a newer artist not to make i would just say you know it all comes down to like the art itself and i have you know i have taken an artist like dan quintana and joe vox both off the street that have never shown in a gallery and never done anything and done a show with them within a month mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a lot of art Right. So if the art is really great, I am going to show your art, and I don't care what I don't even care about any of that other stuff. If you're really great, right. but um, if if I look at every single submission that comes in, and usually, like I think I'd say 99 percent of the time, the people just are not ready to show in a gallery. Is that doesn't more, mean they can't develop. Right, you know, right. It's more like they're too. It's, it's too early for them. It's like they're not it's developed just way enough. Too early. If you're a great artist, um, you know. You're going to get it. You're going to get a show like instantly. I, you know, I'm going to bend all the rules and just say, okay, yeah, you can have a show next week. You know, right. your art's great. 
Um, but how often does that happen? You know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> especially these days, not very often because there's so many galleries. Everybody's everybody's looking around for that. Right. We're all looking for that. There's right. several galleries that are looking on Instagram for something new, something fresh that nobody knows about. Right. So everybody's looking for that. So if nobody's contacting you and you're not selling anything, you're not getting into galleries. It's um, just because, um, you know, you're not good. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not yeah. developed. And yeah. You might be close. You right. might be close. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. seen some people that are close that aren't aren't bad. I was thinking like, okay, yeah, another year, you right. might, you know, just keep working at it. You know? Mm -hmm. And those people I try to tell them, you know, if you even get a response from anyone, then that means you're 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 on you're on the right path. If you mm. get no response, then it's just ridiculous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Some people just they're just they're just not that you know, they're just amateur artists starting out, you right. know. And yeah. don't bring your portfolio into a gallery. To like, hey, look at my art. Like thinking that that's gonna help you, you know? Right? Yeah. What's the best way? Is it like, is it email? Just email. Just, just email. And like, and, a, and a few images, and that's it. And just... Yeah. Email a few images or a, a link to a website. Don't don't put giant images right. in that are like, you know. Tw <laughs> I've got a guy that sent me a bunch of twenty meg twenty meg you know? files. Yeah. Yeah. So these huge files. Um, and even after that, I, I ended up, you know, showing him a little bit. He was, he was okay. I, I gave him a little bit of a, a break, you know. Uh, but um, I'll tell you, I look at every single thing that comes in anyways. Mm -hmm. And um, I just don't respond because I, I say we don't accept submissions for that reason. And don't bring your art into the gallery. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they're, 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 on the, they're on the, you know, uh, precipice of being, you know, being uh, like ready. Mm -hmm. um, they're not quite good enough. They're, they're all right. And they keep getting pushy, and then I, then like I, I, I give them a, I put them in a group show or something. I do something for them. I say, let me just show you what I kind of say. Let me just show you what this is going to be like because mm -hmm. I feel like I like I like them enough, and they're okay, you know. So I say, here's what it is, and then we do the show, and then the piece doesn't sell, and then they get it back, and then like that's it, you know. Right. <laughs> you know. So do you do you want that? Do you want to be in a gallery that much? What you want to is you want to be like. Um, on the right path to becoming successful, right. and, you know, and being a great artist. You want, yeah, you know, that's if, what you want. Yeah, and if you, you if know? you're in a gallery, you want to sell at the gallery. <laughs> right. No, no magic's going to happen by that. The magic's going to happen from you becoming a, a better artist. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, and I've seen that happen. I've seen artists that I didn't think were that good, and all of a sudden they're great. And right. I go, God, I wish I would have hit this person up a long time ago. Right. Yeah. 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 You know? I've seen. I've seen. That's one uh, cool thing about having been in this seen for so long is to see see the growth of artists it's really interesting to see you know some fell off some just stopped yeah. there's guys i know that we were that were hot back in the day and uh and they just went away who knows where they went and then there's and then there's other people that were like not getting it and then they just clicked one they just finally clicked and they're doing you know uh yeah. really great stuff so that's kind of the one of the fun things about it um yeah, so keep working at it for sure. Yeah, whatever yeah. you're doing, just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's I'm, and and again, it's like I know people in this the dark art society group, like the Patreon people. A lot of them are younger artists. I'm always watching too their progress. It's like I know I know a lot of people want to be interviewed on the show, and it's like I'm kind of a, I approach it the same way too. It's like I'm waiting. It's like I have a, a bunch of people I want to bring on the podcast, and I'm like they're not quite. Not quite ready yet, but I bet you, you know, in a year it's going to be, you can see it, you can see where it's going. 
And so right. it's like you have like a little mental mental notes about different artists. Like I'm watching everybody everybody that uh, posts, and I'm and I and I watch how much as they progress. And uh, you know you got you. So it's like it's a long game though. Art is a long yeah. game. It takes time. It takes that's why yeah. everybody doesn't do it. It takes a long fucking time. Definitely. So I mean, and the we, main thing is just uh, uh, creating a great. You know, just being a great artist. I'm just coming up with great art that's yeah the main thing. that's some forgetting about just forget about really forget about the business end you know just come try to just come up with some great art you know yeah that yeah. people will like yeah that's true it's art first art first i'm always i push yeah. i push a lot of just from an artist perspective because i know a lot of artists aren't into the business part of it i push a lot of like you know learn you know learn the business stuff but i I do always say you're not gonna have a business unless you have a bunch of you know if not your art's not good <laughs> so that comes first yeah. you do that first and then the other things you build on top of that right well you're you know a huge inspiration to people and um you know when you started how long did it take you to just start getting like much better you know what i mean yeah yeah no it, it's the first five years i was screwing around and you know t- t- trying to figure out what even to do before i came uh, came upon those paintings that start selling those portraits right and that's what you know that's a perfect example of me seeing something in you that right. i wanted to stick with you for sure i yeah. was like 100 percent. i was thinking this the, the, you know you were like one of the only artists that i was really um had a lot of hope for and that you know thought that you were you know going to be like more of a driving force you know in the scene i mean yeah. there wasn't many other artists a lot of the other artists just dropped off real right. quick or you know, so you were one of them doing the kind of art that I liked, going right. in the right direction, and I could see that you getting a lot better. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. You bought you the know? first one. You bought the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Started the feeding <laughs> frenzy. <laughs> Definitely. A so cannibal flower. Yeah, so that wasn't a mistake. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, you know, I went to the cannibal flowers, and there was like, you know, hundred artists. I mean, did any, do any of those other artists like show at Cottrell Gallery? Right. You know, yeah. Right. Like, you, you know, you stood out and. You know, there's there was other artists. Yeah, there's a couple too. others. Just, yeah, a couple, yeah. but I don't think any of those stuck. You know, right? All the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. That was excellent. That was an excellent interview. And also, thanks for you and Erica for for uh, creating this gallery and keeping it going. Because really, it's it's. I always tell everybody. It's the best gallery. It's the best gallery anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. Not just LA, it really is. And it's like I tell that to people when I'm talking to them at the shows, and everyone's like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> it's oh, like cool. it's like the coolest gallery. You know, it's so it's so amazing. It's 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 just got like just the history. You know, aside from the fact that you're always putting on good shows, and then you've got this history of showing all these amazing artists back in the day, and it's really amazing and a great family community and stuff. So. And I think you're, uh, you know, inspiring to newer galleries too that are coming along that are actually doing cool stuff. So yeah, it's quite an endorsement. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and you just reminded me like how persistence pays off because, like I said, I met you pretty early on, and I just said, "This is the guy, man. He's going to be the leader of uh, <laughs> this." <laughs> I stuck with you. I mean, you oh know, yeah, for sure, for sure. There you was were... never a point where I didn't. No, no. Point where I wavered or doubted. No, no, no. You're you guys are always there for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
That's yeah, you've always been there for us. You're a huge help to us right now because yeah, you well, know. I. <laughs> what she saying? She's just saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> Hi, okay. Erica. <laughs> She's, uh, I've always been, just you've always been an inspiration. And yeah, you've always been. Let me, let me see that cue card. <laughs> no, I mean, if you let me read it, I can tell you what you say, what you're saying. Let me see. You, okay. <laughs> Done this whole interview with cue cards. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's not, that's cool. That's cool of her to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've always felt, uh, uh, uh a loyalty to Copro too, because you guys have always been there for me. So I feel like I, you know, I always want to be there for you guys. And it just feels like, you know, it's <laughs> what's going on behind there. Is she giving you shit? <laughs> yeah, and on to the future, man. We always have a blast. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, who, who knows what comes next? That's the, always the question. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But yeah, yeah. You guys are great. You, you guys are awesome. Uh, you're awesome, Erica. Can you hear me you're back awesome, there, America? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right thank you chet oh yeah you're welcome yeah um you, you, oh of course of course i'm happy to i i you know i always felt like i would rather when i was first starting i would rather be with a gallery and then come up with them both like both things go going up rather than trying to get some blue chip huge gallery to come and like lift me up to their level you know what i'm saying right you know? well, you've been the only one i think i don't think there's any other artist i can think of <laughs> done with me since the start oh really yeah yeah every other just does usually has you know tries other things and doesn't want to do it that way they want it they're you know uh always uh, trying to jump up star to... steppers right yeah. <laughs> right in fact, that's what um, Luke Chu said that to me. That's what you know. He said that right to my face. He said, What's that? "I'm a stair stepper. <laughs> 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 gonna keep trying to get. To, that's it. I'm gonna keep trying to get to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an approach. I've always just kind of felt. I don't know. I'm it's I'm more. It's like the punk rock Mike Watt thing. You know, it's like everyone should everyone rise together. All rising yeah. tide floats all boats, kind of thing. And that's ideal. That's and it's ideal. made. And it's like. Yeah, and it's made a community, and it's yeah. like everybody's happy. Everyone gets something out of it instead of one person that gets right. the, the, the prize. It's like it's just it's it's the way to go. So, anyway, Definitely. it's awesome. Like I said, you're the one person. That's, it. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I didn't even I, I didn't even realize that. It's always good when everyone. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So now we're just looking for new people. Yeah. Still does, yeah. So hopefully we'll find one more. <laughs> I'm always recommending. I'll keep my yeah. I'll I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. Uh, well, thanks again for for coming on the show. And uh, you have to our final word. We have to say goodbye to the audience. So you have to say goodbye, audience. Uh, goodbye, audience. <laughs>